welcome to Now Playing's G.I. Joe Movie Retrospective Series. Mission is a go. I say again, the mission is a go. Hosted by Justin. I'll make you proud. You'll see. Arnie. He's a real American hero. And Jacob. Hey, my three favorite people. This podcast will contain detailed plot spoilers and mild language. Ay, caramba. Listener discretion is advised. Let's get to work. World ain't saving itself. He never gives up. He'll stay till the fight's won. G.I. Joe will dare. G.I. Joe. American hero. Today we're discussing Snake Eyes. G.I. Joe Origins, starring Henry Golding, Andrew Koji, Ursula Cobero, Samara Weaving, Aiko Uwais, directed by Robert Schwenke. This is the now-playing co-host who Anaconda don't want none unless you've got an impure heart, on Arnie. And here comes Fishboy, Jacob. Pork chop sandwiches, this is Justin. Welcome back to G.I. Joe. It has been... Eight years since we did this retrospective series. Yeah, time for a third reboot. <laughs> we also have a new host joining us for this retrospective series. Justin, welcome to Joe. You got out of the arcade and into the toy room. Hey, right? It's, it's fun to be over here. This is a movie franchise that always watch it, and so I'm glad to come talk Joe here. So I got to know, one, are you a fan of the toys? And two, like, you got to give us your red or green for the other films since you're here. You got to give us the rundown. <laughs> all right. So with G.I. Joe, it's one of those weird things because all three of us were at that age where we can say like, oh yeah, we're old school Joe fans. But even that's not true because G.I. Joe started off in like the 60s for... Yeah, we're not boomers. <laughs> right? Yeah, like the big 12-inch dolls. So that's not our Joe. Our Joe was the 80s Joe with all the colorful action figures, three and three quarter inch, and the cartoon. That's kind of where I come from. Watched the cartoon after school. Wouldn't say that it was like appointment viewing for me. But the toys were. I was into action figures. I was into Star Wars, and therefore when G.I. Joe started coming out, I was into those. That's kind of my history of it. And now as an adult, Hasbro's been doing this new six-inch line, and, you know, it got me right in the feels. Started collecting it. It's like, hey, this is fun. You know, new modern versions of old toys that I used to have. I'm in. That's kind of my baseline for G.I. Joe. Like, there's nothing about the franchise that I'm super precious about where it's like, oh, they're going to ruin the lore of this character. They're going to mess this up. It's all just cartoon-based stuff for me, so I'm not overly precious about it. And you have a fairly decent-sized collection these days, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think there's probably been about 30 to 40 releases in the six inch line. And yeah, I've, I've been able to collect them all. I've just kind of kept up with it. It's just something that I kind of started on the side. And next thing you know, I'm all in. So and running a Facebook group about it. Oh, OK, so you're a little more than a casual collector then if you're running a Facebook group. <laughs> I have a casual attitude about it, I guess, but <laughs> when, when all laid out in front of you, it seems like, oh, wow, I guess I'm a little more than knee-deep here, I guess. But when they announced that there was a, a movie coming out, I was like, all right, let's go check that out. And you know what? It was fine. It was fun. It's kind of stuck with me. I, I rewatched it again here recently, knowing that we were going back to the theater to check out this new installment. And, you know, I think I enjoyed it more now years later than I did originally because I had no expectations and I kind of remembered where it was going. You know, it was over the top, it was campy, it was cheesy, but everybody in that movie basically knew that they were making a hyper-stylized, cartoony movie. So, take it for what it is. Like, 
if I would have watched it back then and been on the show, I probably wouldn't have recommended it. But now, watching it backwards, I kind of say, yeah, it's it's got some fun things in it. Like, if you're into G.I. Joe, I would probably give it a mild recommend. The second one, however, ooh boy. The second one I feel like was probably a little more competently made. It just didn't know where they were going. Like, killing off Duke early on and not including Destro. When you bring Channing Tatum into your movie... <laughs> it's like was he only there for the first two days and they got everything they needed and it's like all right rock it's your movie now i read about that because i you know when we recorded our gi joe retaliation review all the rumors had been the gi joe reshoots were to add more channing tatum because he'd become a much bigger star since the first one and the director came out and was like yeah i don't know where those rumors came from channing tatum was on set for Four hours, give or take an hour. We never got him back for another scene. Everything he did was in like a half an afternoon. Yeah, that becomes really apparent rewatching it. It's like, in my memory, having seen it, you know, all those years ago, it really felt like Channing Tatum was in like the first five minutes. But like, they stretch it out. He's He's got some buddy-buddy scenes with The Rock and stuff like that. And it, he's probably in the first 20 minutes. They pray to God using Jay-Z lyrics at the beginning of that. Like, recommend right there. <laughs> and then they tell Destro he's out of the band like that is the Cobra commander I want forget that Rise of Cobra where they won't even put the helmet on him like I didn't go back and rewatch these films but I never want to see Rise of Cobra again retaliation like I, I have good feelings about that one still but I'm not going to go and watch it anytime soon see I agree with you know the more sinister Cobra commander and I'm fine with that but like my problem with them knocking Destro out of this movie it felt more practical than anything for the movie itself it felt like oh that didn't look that great in that last movie we really didn't it did it <laughs> <laughs> so let's just get him out of this one I land on that being dumb fun you know what I'm saying if, if the first one was somewhat of a recommend the second one has to be too then because it's it just took everything from that first one and kind of upped it a little bit so yeah I'm, I'm putting them right both on the same plane they're both just kind of recommend if you're in the mood for it I went back and rewatched both. But not the cartoon. No, no. No. <laughs> I listened to our show about it. But there was a extended cut of Retaliation. And really? So I went to watch that one, and it's got about 10 more minutes. Apparently, they had to cut some stuff for an R rating, and they... Like, they cut a few lines here and there. Like, when Zartan president is talking to the captive president, Zartan's like... And we brought back the interns, and they're, mm. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I got to ask, is there is there a new scene where they actually got Bruce Willis to emote? I was shocked at how well Bruce was in that movie. <laughs> it seems like his eyes glint when he comes around Lady J. Like, I think Bruce might have had something for that actress. <laughs> I really do. Watch the film again. He's talking to The Rock, and he's doing okay. And he's talking to the other guy, and he's doing okay. Then he talks to Lady J, and there's just, there's that Bruce Willis smirk that he used to give Maddie on Moonlighting. And there's just something there that I'm like, you horny dog, you. <laughs> but, you know, I agree. I watched both again. The first one is right there on that line of, it's bad. <laughs> I mean, Joseph Gordon-Levitt as Cobra Commander Ugh. could only be done in parody. That's like a scary movie level of casting. And you've got a Wayans brother there, so you're double scary movie. So those are so bad. But, you know, it's got some fun to it. It really does. I like the Paris scene. I like the Snake Eyes stuff. And 
The second movie is just the epitome of dumb fun, though. You get The Rock, and it, I do admit, the way they killed Duke was disappointing. He doesn't even die heroically. Like, he doesn't die saving a child. He just looks up at The Rock, and then a missile hits him. It's like, damn. Just, again, my memory is, like, isn't Cobra's plot, like, they just drop giant steel beams from space onto countries and blow them up? Like, great. Uh-huh. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> but complete d- nuclear disarmament. Cobra flags in front of the White House. Cobra wants to take over the world. Let's go cartoony live action. I mean, yes, that is over the top. And I mean, it's not a great movie, but I stand by. It's a, you know, right there, middle of the road recommend for just embracing all that it is and overriding the stupid stuff from the last movie. I yeah, mean, no ice sinks in the water in the second one. <laughs> And getting rid of Destro because you don't quite know where to use him. But keeping the Snake Eye Storm Shadow stuff that everybody liked from the first one. I feel like that's all anyone cares about. And that's why we're getting the Snake Eyes thing, I think. It's like when they wanted to spin off X-Men into solo movies, they go with Wolverine first. Because of course you go with Wolverine. And I feel like Snake Eyes is the Wolverine of G.I. Joe. Oh, but with the title, I expect this to be the first of many Origins films, don't you? (laughs) Just like those X-Men Origins. We saw how successful that branding was. (laughs) I just can't wait for G.I. Joe Origins Junkyard Dog. (laughs) JYD in the house. (laughs) The epitome will be G.I. Joe Origins Snow Job. Oh, yeah, that's going to be R-rated because Snow Job. You know what I mean. (laughs) I have to ask, though, why are we getting a G.I. Joe movie now? Like, these have never been huge films they don't seem to get a consistent franchise going out of this like why try to reboot it now there was supposed to be a different gi joe movie and i don't know a whole lot about it but initially for march 2020 was going to be gi joe ever vigilant and i've been at many san diego comic cons and new york toy fairs and talked with a couple of the guys who were on hasbro's team They were pulled off of toy lines to become liaisons to Paramount Pictures to be like, okay, we're going to figure out this Micronauts movie. We're going to figure out this Rom the Space Knight movie. We're going to figure out all of these various films so we can have our interconnected toy universe. Yeah, I remember you talking about this, I think, on Bumblebee. Like, we're supposed to get a Hasbro cinematic universe. Yeah, mask. I'd be down for Mask. I liked those toys when I was a kid. So they were going to do G.I. Joe in March 2020, and then Micronauts would come out a few months later in October. Let that sink in. Hasbro was going to come out with two interconnected movies in the same year. They were trying to pull DC's thing. Like, cinematic universes are hot. Let's just do this, pedal to the metal. And Justin, that toy line you're talking about released in 2019. I know that feels like yesterday thanks to COVID, but it's been two years. They launched that to build up to the G.I. Joe movie in 2020. And is there a new micro knots line? Because I hear that micro knot N-O-T, like, I don't know. I'm sure it has its fans, but wow. Okay, so they're trying to really get this going in 2020. Bad year to get anything going, people. They did dip their toes into the Micronaut pool just slightly. They put some toys out? They had a retro set that was an exclusive. And it didn't sell out, did it? It, like, was still there after the fact? Ooh, that's saying something. And so they ended up making this the Snake Eyes movie we're going to talk about and moved it to October 2020 and knocked Micronauts off the schedule. 
And then, you know, COVID. So here we are, July 2021, discussing G.I. Joe Origins and where's the Hasbro Cinematic Universe? Where are any cinematic universes these days? We can kind of look for that at the end. But I think you're right, Jacob. The thing that I loved most about G.I. Joe as a kid, yes, there were colorful characters and familiar plots, but Snake Eyes, Snake Eyes, Snake Eyes. There was something about ninjas in the mid-80s that they were just the best. I bought Chuck Norris Karate Commando toys because they had ninjas in them. And I never bought G.I. Joes, but the stories I liked, the cartoons that I watched most and most intently were Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow and wanting to know what's under Snake Eyes' mask. Why doesn't Snake Eyes talk? He's such a stealthy, black-clad ninja. I agree because... I. I think if you're a child in the 80s, you have to love ninjas or else you didn't grow up in the 80s. Like, you got to love ninjas. I love ninjas because I grew up in the 80s. And I agree, like, Snake Eyes is the coolest show. But didn't we get his origins in Retaliation? Like, I remember a whole ninja thing in flashbacks and him in Storm Shadow there. Yeah, having just rewatched those, I kind of remembered that too, Jake. And it's like, yeah, we did get origins because we get to see Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow training as young children at a giant facility type of thing and turns out that storm shadow killed hard master and so that was all a thing and that's when he went off and did his own thing so it's like at least we had some idea where they came from in this cinematic universe so if this is gonna be an origins thing are they gonna follow that or are they gonna branch off and do something completely different here and what they did in those movies closely tied to the gi joe lore in the comics and things. And admittedly, there have been many reboots with IDW and whatnot, but the base established lore is yes. Those two were kids together. Zartan pretended to be Storm Shadow and killed Hardmaster so that they could get Storm Shadow onto Cobra, you know, because ninjas always have honor. And then they were brainwashing Storm Shadow for a while, but Storm Shadow would sometimes come to his senses and join the Joes and fight alongside Snake Eyes and all of that going on. And I didn't know much about this movie before it came out, but what I knew was Twitter outrage because this movie was not only not going to keep to the G.I. Joe origins, but Snake Eyes isn't white. Snake Eyes is supposed to be a white guy among... Asians, and now we've got Henry Golding. How dare you make a ninja Asian? Yeah, that's super weird. I mean, go watch American Ninja if you want some white ninjas. He's American. It's in the title. He's white, American. You got your ninja there. But it's not weird that he's got Japanese origins. Like, that's fine. That's not a point of origin that I would stick a knife in and, you know, die on that hill. My things with a Snake Eyes origin story would be, okay, well... He took a vow of silence, and we don't really know who he is. So those are the things that maybe we can get down between and get some answers on. Yeah, I remember on those little cards that you get on the back of the toys that give their little bios. Like, wasn't his, like, you didn't know his origins, and they'll play with that in this film. Yeah, he was classified. Okay, classified. And yeah, he didn't talk. I couldn't remember if it was some kind of disability or, yeah, was it a vow of silence? That that wasn't fresh in my mind, but I know he doesn't talk, He but he talks a lot in this one. Yes, I remembered he took a vow of silence, but coming into this movie, all I knew is it was going to be very different. They were just going to take a new tack on this, something that the producer Lorenzo Di Bonaventura 
has called a millennial take. He wants to bring a millennial take to the toy properties now. So they're not going to hold to the stuff that we grew up with. So that's why Snake Eyes complains so much about the housing market in this film. <laughs> and the avocado toast everywhere. <laughs> I was going to say, wasn't, wasn't that Baroness's middle name? Wasn't it the Baroness Millennial Take? <laughs> <laughs> Those glasses sure were. The crash bang haircut, heck yeah. So they're really open to reinventing these characters to appeal to the next generation of young adults and children. And so they came up with a really fresh, in my mind, take on this. But when I see who they've brought in to do it, the main screenwriter, Evan Spilitopoulos, he has done such great things as the Charlie's Angels movie we reviewed in 2019. Yeah, that reboot. Remember how good that one was? And a lot of stuff I haven't seen, like the Jungle Book 2 animated film. He did the Beauty and the Beast live action remake. I don't even know why you need a writer on there. You just use the old script from the 90s. I'm pretty sure that's all those films are. Just let's put real people in it instead of cartoons. Like you don't need a writer for that. I hear good things about the Huntsman film. Yeah, which is a take on Snow White. I haven't seen the 2004 Rock Hercules. That's one I have missed out on. Yeah, I haven't heard a good thing about that one. And then the director seems like an interesting take. Robert Schwenke, I'm like, you're bringing him into a big action film. Well, he did do Red with Bruce Willis. Which I gave a red arrow to. R.I.P.D. is the other film I've seen of his. And I like Ryan Reynolds, but that... Ooh, yeah, never heard a good thing about R.I.P.D. Wait, was that the Men in Black Ghostbusters thing? Yes. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds and Jeff Bridges, I think? Yep, and Kevin Bacon. But I guess what may have gotten this guy the job is the Divergent series. You know, if you're wanting millennials, here's a series that I haven't seen because I'm not a millennial, but... He did Divergent, Insurgent, and Divergent Allegiant. My kids aren't millennials. They're Zoomers, I guess. But yeah, my older daughter did read those Divergent books. And so we watched that first one. And it's telling that we never completed that franchise, at least cinematically. Like that first one was enough. She's like, nope, I'm good with the books. Yeah. So it seems like a writer and director who maybe have just kind of stumbled along in Hollywood. But I can't say either one of them has something to really put up as a prize to work for. They're, they're workmen and coming into Snake Eyes. I, I came in with middle expectations is what I'll say. I didn't have high hopes, but the trailers looked good. Oh, I'll, I'll disagree with you there because all I saw was a trailer. I, I think just one. They might have released a couple other ones. But here's the thing. I am the martial arts guy. I love kung fu films and like Snake Eyes. It's a ninja. Like I want some martial arts. And I saw that trailer and it just felt kind of blah. Like it didn't show me anything exciting. Like Shang-Chi, we're going to be reviewing that later. Never like I've read a lot of comics, never come across that guy in any of the Marvel comics I read. But I saw that trailer. I'm like, hey, this looks like a fun superhero martial arts film. Like I am down for that. Th this trailer just kind of left me. I'm like, oh, I guess I have to see it because I'm on now playing like but I would not be seeing that trailer did nothing for me. Yeah, I'm kind of on that side, too, Jacob. Like the, the trailer did not get me excited for this. And what the trailer did was actually made me kind of think about it. It's like when I heard there was a Snake Eyes movie, I was kind of closer to Arnie like, oh, yeah, I love Snake Eyes. This is going to be cool. But then I saw the trailer. It's like, wait a minute. 
Snake Eyes isn't enough to carry a movie. There's a reason why he's a supporting character in the cartoons. It's because he looks cool. He doesn't talk, you know? So it's like, is looking cool going to be enough to carry an entire movie? Well, I guess we're going to find out. See, and when I saw the first G.I. Joe Snake Eyes trailer, I thought it was the Shang-Chi trailer. I kid you not. It was a martial arts film. I noticed that it had some kind of comic toy connection in the opening flash of companies. And I'm like, oh, so this is Shang-Chi. This is looks okay. Now, the second trailer gave me some pause because that's when Baroness and Scarlet start showing up and I see machine gun fire and I'm like, oh, all right, maybe this is more G.I. Joe than is being let on. But the first trailer made me think that this was just going to be a solo film. And I wondered, though, I mean, you mentioned X-Men Origins Wolverine, Jacob. That wasn't really an Origins film. There was a team there. We had Deadpool and Blob and Sabretooth and the light bulb guy. Yeah, a, a team I never want to see again. <laughs> <laughs> Agent Zero. And then Professor X and Emma Frost. Everybody, Cyclops was showing up in this thing. Oh, that's right. Ugh. So when I was seeing the second trailer, I'm like, okay, is it just a bait and switch? Is this going to be Snake Eyes in name only? But I still went in with a bit of an open mind, especially after rewatching the last two. I'm like, as much dumb fun as that second one was, doesn't have to be great to be better than those. But my audience was obviously anxious. I didn't get my ticket in advance. I wasn't sure when I was going to get to see this. I ended up going on Friday night at a six o'clock show. Sold out. Like I had one seat I could pick and not be in those front three rows below the riser. Wow, that's really different than my experience. Even though I wasn't excited for this, I did cosplay. I did have a ninja mask on because masks are back, baby, in L.A. County, <laughs> thanks to the Delta variant, even if you're vaccinated. So I had my little ninja mask, or maybe it was like those cobra masks that the cobra troopers wear just over the bottom of their face. But <laughs> wait a sec. So Corona was not developed in Wuhan. It was developed in Cobra Labs. <laughs> yes. Corona, Coroba, Cobra. I think I see something going on there. Cobravid 19. <laughs> But I, I did go to a different theater because I'm like, it seems like these new theaters, like they are much smaller areas. Like just let's pack a few hundred people in there because that's all that go to the movies. So I went to an old school theater where like they don't have the stadium seatings. Those seats don't recline. They're really uncomfortable, but it's huge. Like 300 people could sit in that theater and there was maybe 20. I, I went preview night, I guess, if they're still calling Thursday nights that I went to a 7 p.m. showing. And again, maybe 20 people there. But that could be because of the theater I picked to go to. Yeah, once again, I'm kind of in the middle here. Like, I went Thursday evening for showing in my area was 8 p.m. I'd say it's about half capacity, you know, even with still social distance seating. I mean, it was fuller than the week before when I went to see Black Widow on opening night. So, look like more people are coming out for this. Yeah, I agree. More people here than Black Widow for sure. Well, it sounds like people might be excited for this origin. Arnie, give us a plot to Snake Eyes. Snake Eyes, played by Henry Golding, was orphaned as a child when his father was murdered. He has grown up a fierce martial arts fighter with a bloodlust to avenge his dad. He got his name when the murderer made the dad roll dice to save his life, and the dad rolled double ones. Twenty years later, Snake Eyes is approached by Yakuza crime lord Kenta, who offers to find the mystery dice murderer if Snake Eyes will work for Kenta. When Snake Eyes is asked to prove his loyalty by shooting a spy, 
Snake Eyes refuses, and he and the spy escape. The spy was Kenta's cousin, Tommy Arashikagi, played by Andrew Koji. Tommy and Kenta were both in line to rule Clan Arashikagi, and Kenta tried to murder Tommy, and so Kenta was banished. Grateful to Snake Eyes for helping him escape, Tommy takes Snake Eyes to his clan. He wants Snake Eyes to be his right-hand man when he takes over the clan, but the current clan ruler, Tommy's grandmother, Sen, agrees that Snake Eyes can take the three trials. If he passes, he's part of the family. If he fails, he dies. Arasakaji head of security, Akiko, doesn't trust Tommy, but when Tommy tells her of his father's murder, she starts to fall for the mystery man. But it seems Akiko was right not to trust him. Snake Eyes has been working for Kenta all along. Tommy's attempted murder and escape was all staged, so Tommy would trust Snake Eyes and bring him into the clan. This allows Snake Eyes to get close enough to steal the powerful MacGuffin, the Jewel of the Sun, that the clan has guarded for centuries. As Snake Eyes gets closer to the clan, he starts to feel guilty for betraying Tommy and the others, but his bloodlust for his father's murderer keeps him on track. He passes the first two trials, but the third trial is to be judged by giant anacondas. If the anacondas sense you're pure of heart, you are accepted in the clan. Due to Tommy's subterfuge, the snakes judge him not worthy. He admits his bloodlust, but not his being a double agent. This is enough to get him kicked out of the clan, and Tommy feels betrayed. Snake Eyes returns in secret later that day to steal the jewel, taking it to Kenta, who was getting it for Cobra. Cobra is arming Kenta with the promise that Kenta will give them the jewel when it's over. Watching over Kenta is Cobra assassin Baroness, and Snake Eyes meets his father's killer, who's also a Cobra agent. And Snake Eyes learns mercy to let the killer go, and then chases Kenta back to Clan Arasakaji. Tommy puts his betrayal aside and teams up with Snake Eyes to fight off Kenta's men. And when Kenta says he's keeping the jewel, Baroness also joins with Arashikaji, as does G.I. Joe agent Scarlet, who just showed up at the climax to kill ninjas with a crossbow. Kenta is defeated and Tommy gets the jewel, and in anger, Tommy uses the jewel to try and kill Kenta. Kenta escapes, chased down by Snake Eyes, and Snake Eyes pulls Kenta into the anaconda pit where Kenta is eaten, but the anacondas now judge Snake Eyes to be worthy. After the fight, Sen tells Tommy he'll never rule the clan as he broke their vow to never use the jewel. Angry, Tommy leaves the clan, cutting ties with the entire family. Scarlet tells Snake Eyes that his father was a G.I. Joe agent and offers Snake Eyes a position in the paramilitary group, while Baroness catches up to Tommy, who now calls himself Storm Shadow, and she offers him a job with Cobra as credits roll. Oh, please. I was calling him Storm Shadow almost from the beginning. <laughs> yeah, my entire notes were SS for Storm Shadow yep. or SE for Snake Eyes. <laughs> yep. And even halfway through, they even had that little, like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Ah, the Shadow the Storm. <laughs> shadow of the Storm. <laughs> you know, Arnie, in, in summation, it almost sounds like everything that happens in this movie is well-motivated, but... When it plays out on screen, I am very, very confused by why Snake Eyes is doing anything at all in this movie. I don't know how you can misunderstand anything. It's so cliche, like right from the beginning, this father and son trying to get to a safe house. Like, I'm like, okay, I already know what's going to happen here. Like, yeah, because we saw Mortal Kombat earlier this year. <laughs> I was going to say, like, isn't this how Mortal Kombat started? <laughs> it is exactly how Mortal Kombat started, where you're in a 
house where your enemy is coming to kill you and you hide your child in a room while you fight the enemy and then you are killed but the child lives on with vengeance? Yeah, but there are some things were revealed about that clan and that family in that scene. This scene is just, ah, uh, we're setting up a revenge motivation. Because you're going to be surprised by the ending when Scarlet tells you everything. It's, it's going to be a big shock. But who is this guy coming after this father and son? Like, maybe Zartan? Like, I, because I guess I only saw that second trailer you mentioned, Arnie, because I did know Baroness and Scarlet were going to show up. So I'm like, maybe there's going to be some other characters from the cartoon here. But Mr. Augustine? I guess it's not Zartan. And, and is this even a G.I. Joe character? Not to my knowledge. And that was my feeling too, Jacob. Is, is I want more code names in this yes. movie. I want code name and code named people. And if this guy's going to end up being somebody from Cobra, give him a new fake code name. Who cares? I was straining my brain. I mean, the killer who comes in here is dressed like a pimp. He's got this close cropped beard. He just has this look to him. And I'm like, oh, this is somebody whose code name I'm going to find out and be reminded of. At first, I'm like, is he Destro? Because they did come out with a pimp Destro figure recently. I don't know why. Yeah, Prophet Director Destro. Oh, yeah, that fur-lined collar. Yes. So I'm like, maybe this guy is going to turn into Destro throughout it, or this is somebody. I have Googled and Googled, and... According to the Jopedia, I couldn't find anything. And if Jopedia doesn't know it... <laughs> it doesn't exist. <laughs> if it's not in the archives. Yes. <laughs> but what does bother me here a little bit is two different things. First, the father and the son are never given names in this movie. It's just the father and Snake Eyes. And this boy is young, six, seven, but... All I could think of is that movie, I know my first name is Steven, based on the real story about a boy who was abducted when he was about that age and taken and like groomed. And finally he gets to the police. He's like, I don't remember who I am, but I know my first name is Steven. This kid should know his name. <laughs> yeah, except we got to go to Solo, a Star Wars story for naming origins. And so Mr. Augustine, like... He's like Two-Face. He's going to roll the dice and that, that's going to tell him what to do. But you know what? I've seen every Zatoichi, the Blind Swordsman movie where there's lots of gambling with dice. So I know they're loaded. No mystery there. And so he rolls Snake Eyes. So just like Han Solo, he's named Solo because he doesn't have a family. He's Solo. Snake Eyes. He's, he's got dice that are loaded. So they're always <laughs> Snake Eyes. To be fair, at some point in the movie, I can't remember exactly when, there was a line drop that he did know his name. It's just that it was all fake. And so he doesn't really know who he is. He knew his dad was hiding their identity. So he doesn't know who he actually is. So I guess that's fair enough. You know, that's that's enough for me to be like, okay, he doesn't really know his own origin. And there's no way for him to know because, like, even at the end, G.I. Joe doesn't even know who he is. Like, everything has been wiped about this guy. Like, his dad didn't even put his name in his Joe files. The other thing that bothers me is this kid is hidden in the bathroom. And there's some camera shots because the bathroom has the full-length mirror. And you see the boy peeking out the door. And you see the reflection of the boy. And I'm like, all right, I know what this movie is going to be. It's going to be about doppelgangers. And if not identical selves, it's going to be about shadow selves. It's going to be like Storm Shadow will be the dark reflection of Snake Eyes. That's what I thought going in. I mean, understand, I'm coming in only with the knowledge that Snake Eyes is on G.I. Joe and Storm Shadows on Cobra, according to the toys. So I thought we were going to have a lot of discussions of duality or a lot of imagery there. 
I don't think we do. <laughs> I think that's just a really cool looking shot. But I think this movie falls flat on its premise of an in-depth analysis of duality of man. Yeah, the whole blocking of these shots was clunky, you know? I mean, the dad's trying to hide the kid in the bathroom, which is a direct line from the door. So if he's afraid he's going to get shot, well, the kid's now in the line of fire, you know? And the kid keeps opening <laughs> the door all the way while there are things... Ha it's like, you're not being sneaky. Everybody can see you. Like, that door's creaking, and <laughs> they're standing two feet away from it. Yeah, we're going to find out that Snake Eye's dad was a Joe. They're going to a safe house. There, shouldn't there be a safe room or something? Shouldn't there be lots of guns hidden there? Like, what kind of safe house is this? It's not very safe. Well, there's no safe in the safe house to put your baseball cards in. Right. <laughs> End up in the cellar where you have to hide, where there's a bunch of snakes down there, but you got to be quiet not to be discovered. You know, give me something more than just, oh, there was some loaded dice. I also thought of... Two-Face, though, Jacob, when this guy comes in with his dice. And my first thought is, well, how derivative. But my second thought is that these dice are real because Two-Face doesn't have a double-sided coin or anything, you know, a double-headed quarter. Two-Face can't make decisions without his coin. I didn't realize the dice were loaded until they reveal it in the movie. I just thought the dad had shit luck. Jeez, talk about product placement for Hasbro. Come on, Dice. Yeah, I, I went out and bought Monopoly right <laughs> after I saw that. I don't know if that's Hasbro. That might be Parker Brothers. Yahtzee. <laughs> there you go, Yahtzee. <laughs> but, you know, we get to see Snake Eyes is a brave child. He tries to save his dad there. and Yeah, if anything, I think we're supposed to be taking away that he is honorable. I mean, if there's if there's one thin veneer layer that we should know about Snake Eyes throughout his life, it's something about honor. Not quite sure if it's deep honor or earned honor. It's just, you know, we're going to whisper that word in his direction throughout this movie. I thought for sure the dad was a criminal, though. I mean, hiding in a safe house and everything. I figured witness protection. I never thought he'd be a G.I. Joe agent. My mind didn't go there. Yeah, no, I, I did not think of that either. I was getting a little confused with Black Widow. I thought he might have been a double agent or a Hydra agent or something, but wrong wrong movie here. Well, you were closer. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, as clunky as maybe some of the shots were here, Justin, I like the transition when we jump 20 years later. We were told at the beginning, this is 20 years ago, and... Now we're told it's 20 years later. They do this kind of flash cutting between the little kid snake eyes and the adult snake eyes, and they have the same facial expression. They both have a little bit of blood on their face. They're both out of breath. And I thought that was, you know, cooler way to do it with the flashes than just the usual dissolve or something to sh that they do to show, hey, this is the person all grown up. And I thought the kid and adult looked really similar in those shots, so it worked well. When they say 20 years ago, is it just me or does it feel still like, okay, well, we're flashing back to the 1980s somewhere and then we're going to cut the present day. But it's like, no, that's that would be the year 2000, 2001 in this film's time. Yeah, there were no cell phones in the shots. There was very little there. It It felt timeless is how I'll say it. I can't say that modern day felt like today either because not a whole lot of it takes place outside of temples in Tokyo. Yeah, but there were, you know, a bunch of electric vehicles and motorcycles type of thing that kind of made it feel, if not of today, like slightly futuristic. And what works really well, at least for the film and their budget, is we're going to jump 20 years and 
We're not going to tell you how Snake Eyes became a ninja. He just knows how to fight. We're just going to cut to a fight scene because this is what he's doing now is doing these underground fights and, and kicking butt. So I don't know. He got training from somewhere. We're never going to find out where that came from, but he's already a ninja. This is not an origin story. Like, show me how he became a ninja. But again, I'm thinking Mortal Kombat because Snake Eyes is getting his ass kicked. You say he's a ninja already. He's losing to this guy who has sledgehammer. And I'm like, oh my God, this is again Mortal Kombat. We're introduced to our hero and he's being beaten in the ring. Yeah, haven't you seen every action film ever where they start off getting beat up? Unless you watch those Fast and Furious films because Dom Toretto can't be touched. He's Superman. But no, in action films that, yeah, your hero starts off getting his butt kicked and then he comes back at the last second like this uh, no mystery here how this fight's gonna go right but since that is a trope and the next scene is going to be him getting recruited because somebody's been watching him and impressed with his skills then shouldn't we build that up like shouldn't there be a montage or like just him kicking the ass out of three dudes like right away with no problem to give us some reason to think that this guy is an awesome fighter rather than oh he kind of got lucky because this big guy like lost his breath and passed out before he knocked you down. Yeah, you you really struggled with that fight, but you look like a top fighter. Come work for me. Like, yeah, you want to get the best of the best. Well, first of all, we get Chekhov's chain here because he wins the fight by using a chain <laughs> and that's going to come back in the climax. That Snake Eyes toy never came with a chain, did it? He, he came with a wolf at one point, like the original one. I don't remember no chain, though. I think that was Junkyard Dog, wasn't it? Yeah. Junkyard Dog had a, a, a dog, too, on a chain. But yes, no, Snake Eyes is not known for chain wielding as a weapon. But I think what we're told in the next scene, the locker room scene, just like Mortal Kombat, <laughs> I can't believe that both these movies came out so close together. Very <laughs> similar set, too. It is. <laughs> Shang-Chi opens this way. I'm just, I'm done. <laughs> but a guy comes in and tells us a story that I kind of like, that... Snake Eyes goes from town to town until nobody will bet against him anymore. And so the fact that he almost loses, I think he's putting on a show because he never loses. That's what we're told by Kenta, the head of the Yakuza clan. I'm, you know, this movie is over two hours long with credits. I don't need more of Snake Eyes fighting in underground rings. I'm kind of glad we get on with it. Well, once I see the choreography in this film, I'm glad we just go on with it because... It's nothing spectacular. Again, I, I've seen a lot of ninja movies, seen a lot of martial arts movies. I've even seen Jim Kata, which is about a gymnast who fights ninjas. Like, even if they're bad stories, like Jackie Chan has a lot of bad movies. I'll still sit through them because great choreography. And this fight, if, if this is supposed to be the grabber to tell me you're going to watch a cool martial arts ninja film, uh, I, I'm worried now. So, yeah, I'm surprised that you could even make out that it wasn't that great a choreography because all I saw was a bunch of shaky cams. It was vomit-inducing. Yeah, that is the problem. I was going to hold that critique till later on because there's a scene where I got really frustrated. But again, go watch a Jackie Chan film. Even his worst film, like, they pay attention to choreography. Even if all the dudes are wearing black suits, they'll have white socks on or white shoes so you could track their feet, see how they're moving. Yeah, you don't have a shaky cam, like... If you're doing a ninja film, let us see them do ninja stuff. Don't try to be born identity and try to feel it real and gritty. It didn't work here for me. The shaky cam annoyed me, I, I will agree. But I can't say that I'm unimpressed with the fighting. I thought the fighting 
was adequate. I mean, maybe this, I don't know who Henry Golding is. I, I saw the gentleman. I vaguely remember his character there. I think his big role is a rom-com, Crazy Rich Asians, which I never saw. But if that's his claim to fame, I don't know what his skills are when it comes to fighting. Maybe he does know how to fight and he just made it in a rom-com, but I, I don't know much about this actor. I like Crazy Rich Asians a lot. I I was a little resistant to seeing it, and I'm not quite sure why. You love rom-coms. I do. And Crazy Rich Asians is from the director of G.I. Joe Retaliation. Oh, John Chu. Okay. I like John Chu. Did the best step-up films. He also did Gem and the Holograms, though, so... Which is so awful, I do want to see it. Like, I, yeah, it sounds like a fun Brown Arrow movie. I knew this actor from that. I think he was really good in that. It's not his movie. It's the ladies' movie, but he plays the husband of that film, the fiancé, and I thought he was really good in it, and it was his first big role, but he he was charming, and he had a tricky role to play in that he's got kind of the bitchy family that isn't accepting of his American girlfriend. Yeah, I'll say he does have some charm, so I could see that working for a rom-com. I just, I don't think he has the fighting capabilities, and I don't know if they have the budget or or whatever, the, the choreography team to help him out and make him look really good as a fighter. No, but he needs this movie because I also saw him in that Amelia Clark rom-com last Christmas. Ooh. Oof, ooh, ooh, oof. I hate watched that movie. I knew it was going to be bad, <laughs> and it did not disappoint. <laughs> but I don't think he's a fighter. I think he's a good actor. So you've got a choice there. Do you want a good actor or do you want a stuntman who might not be as good of an actor? Do you want Ray Park to play Toad or do you want somebody who can emote to play Toad? Well, I don't want Toad in any version. (laughs) (laughs) The good news is when you're writing a Snake Eyes movie, you can have the best of both worlds. You can hire a great actor to do some of your great acting scenes And then since it's Snake Eyes, he can pop on his helmet and you can have an awesome (laughs) stuntman do that. Oh, we're not going to do that in this movie? Okay. Yeah, or ninjas. They put masks on. They just got to have like the same color eyes and you can pull it off. There's so many ways they could have covered this up and had a good fighter for the fight scenes. I'm not noticing it as bad, but I can say I'm not adrenalized and the shaky cam, it's a bit annoying, yeah. But I do feel like like why I liked Retaliation the most out of these G.I. Joe films is because it feels like a cartoon. It's a live action cartoon. It's goofy. You guys say dumb popcorn film. Sure. It's playing for eight year olds. So when we cut to four weeks later and Kenta has hired Snake Eyes on, I was trying to think of his Christian name, but we don't know his Christian name. He's Snake Eyes. <laughs> when he hires Snake Eyes on with the promise to find the his dad's killer, like we see that he gets a job smuggling guns and fish. Like I'm like, okay, here we go. This is the kind of stuff I want. Like let's cut open giant tunas and put Uzis in them. I was wondering because Kenta had said, you'll start on the dock. And I'm like, he's going to be a dock worker. He doesn't want to work for anybody. He's He doesn't want to work for the Yakuza. But Kenta says, we'll find your dad's killer if you work for me. And I'm like, okay, so you definitely want a fighter. You want an assassin to come work for you if you're going to pay him in blood. And he's like, you're going to start on the dock. I'm like, is he lifting boxes? This is a weird recruitment strategy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's working the crane to put shipping crates onto boats. And then he gets there, and there's a whole bunch of obvious enforcers who are dressed nicely And he comes in and I'm like, oh, he's one of the enforcers, but they're all calling him fish boy. And so I'm like, this is all very confusing to me. And then I see he's stuffing guns and fish and I'm like, 
Still, this is weird Yakuza recruitment. I really need that guy to stuff guns in my fish. <laughs> yeah, it almost seemed like the Yakuza was just trying to keep the paperwork in order. You know, it's like, well, if the IRS comes by, he's he's a legit fish stuffer. So <laughs> I know. I, all I can think of is the mob. Usually, if you work for the mob, you don't have to actually show up and stuff the fish. <laughs> <laughs> but that does end up paying off because it it ends up being you know a ruse set up so that. They could suss out a, a weasel in their midst. Yeah, and we're going to find out about Tommy. He's a spy, and I'm just glad his name is Tommy because, look, I'm glad this is about ninjas and it's got these Japanese origins, but I'm American, and a lot of these people have heavy accents, and I'm having a hard time keeping up with all their names. Like Kenta, like I just kept writing down Yakuza boss for most of the time, and then I heard something, I'm like, is he named Ken? Okay, we got a Tommy in this. Like, I'm like, that's weird that we got a Tommy character here, but let's go for it. <laughs> At least I understand that name. The Who doesn't think so, but I couldn't believe it when they call him Tommy-san. I'm like, really? His name's not like Tommy short for something? It's just yes. Tommy? <laughs> yeah, I don't know why his name's Tommy. <laughs> well, I'm glad it wasn't just me. I was feeling awful white watching this. <laughs> oh, just when we get to Japan and they start saying that clan name and, and that head of security, I'm like, I don't know what they're saying. They're saying them very quickly and in passing. Yeah, foreign names with foreign accents. It, it makes it tough. Again... I like the setting. I'm not complaining about that. It's for an American audience. It was a little hard, I think. But it doesn't take very long for Tommy to be discovered as a traitor because he's the cousin of the boss. So let me get this straight. Kenta is your cousin. Right. So you're going to send yourself undercover? <laughs> he knows you. I mean, they have a whole history we're going to find out. Like, they definitely know each other. Like, as soon as Tommy walks off the plane, he shoots him, right? Like, there should be no mystery here for Kenta. He had a very slight Hans Gruber beard <laughs> on. Is that enough to disguise his entire identity? Yeah, I thought maybe it was the scar. I remember in G.I. Joe, there was those twins, and one had a scar, and that's how you could tell him apart. I'm like, and his name was Tommy. I know he's Japanese but his name's Tommy. I'm like, is he going to be one of those twins from the G.I. Joe cartoon? But <laughs> Tomax and Zomat. <laughs> yes, they, their names are reversed. Yes. <laughs> yeah, there's n no reason for Kenta to not recognize them once we find out their history. I just couldn't believe that this is where we were going with this. I think you'd send somebody else. Also, we'll never find out exactly what Tommy was trying to figure out. I guess just how Kenta was going to attack his clan, but... It just seems like an ill-thought-out plan, and so when Kenta catches him and gets him on his knees and is going to shoot him in the head, I'm like, yeah, you're dumb. Why did you think this? But this scene was in the trailer. I knew exactly how this would go. Didn't we see the scene in Batman Begins where Bruce Wayne wouldn't kill a thief, and so the two have to fight together against all the ninja around them? I mean, I haven't seen this in a million action movies where... Arnold or Sly are undercover and they're told to kill someone to prove their loyalty and of course they're not going to do it and Snake Eyes I know isn't going to do it because he really has honor even though he's working for the Yakuza like I, I already know where this film's going like no surprises here well and this is where it starts to become apparent to me that it's like things are just going to happen to and around Snake Eyes to propel his journey it's not that he's special just because there's somebody says he's special Eh, maybe, but things just start happening around him because if we start following why he's in the places he's at, it starts to fall apart because it's already started to fall apart as Arnie, you pointed out 
that these cousins should recognize each other immediately. So why are we bringing in somebody that he's been following for months, seeing how good of a fighter he is, so he can pull this ruse in front of everybody else? It just... This is the point of the movie where I'm like, okay, either don't pay attention to too many of the details and just go along for the ride, or it's going to fall apart right in front of you. Oh, yeah, none of this makes sense. I, I guess Kent uh, did recognize Tommy, so he's like, okay, I'm going to plant a mole, because Kent has got this big plan to get a magic rock later, and so he's got to get Tommy to trust Snake Eyes, so a big fight. I guess that's why Kent picked Snake Eyes to shoot him, because he knew he wouldn't, because this is all a ruse. And so we get another fight scene. It's not great, except I like the point when, you know, Tommy and Snake Eyes are going to try to get away in a truck. And, like, we get all these Yakuza, like, stabbing the truck with a ton of samurai swords. That feels like something out of Kill Bill. It felt to me like the inside of that magic trick with all the swords that are supposed yes. to be going through. I'm like, this is what it's like from inside that box. That was amusing. The fact that there were so many Yakuza was fun to me. I, I had fun with this scene. I found it interesting that... The cops break up the fight. <laughs> Nobody wins. The cops just show up and tell everyone, put your swords down. And I'd love to see how that scene played out, but we're going to jump to Snake Eyes got cut by one of the swords. He passes out, and he wakes up on Tommy's plane. Tommy's now shaven because his disguise <laughs> is no longer necessary. That wonderful Zartan-level disguise. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how they escaped the cops. If Maybe the cops were on... Kenta's payroll and this whole thing was still part of that setup, but Tommy now owes Snake Eyes his life and is taking him to his home in Tokyo to repay that debt. Yeah, as soon as we find out that like Tommy is a leader of this whole clan and has a castle, and I'm like, oh, okay, he's he's Storm Shadow, right? Like this is the story. We're supposed to trust Tommy and not trust Snake Eyes, and then they're gonna switch. It's that mirror, the mirror image, Arnie. It's all. It's very high art. You know what? I didn't figure it out. I didn't figure out any of this at this point. You've watched action films, right? Like, I feel like I've seen this so many times. I, I There's no mystery here. Here's what I thought. I just rewatched the other G.I. Joe films. So I thought, okay, in this one, Storm Shadow brings Snake Eyes into the clan. So who's going to be framed for killing Hardmaster? Somebody's going to kill Hardmaster. What's going to happen here? That's where my mind was. I'm like... Wait, is Storm Shadow still going to be killed for killing his own friend? This makes no sense. But they got me. Because this is G.I. Joe, I'm hooked on where are you taking this plot? Because I think I know where it's going and you're taking it sideways from where I thought it was going. Once again, I'm kind of in the middle. Like, I, I'm not sitting here watching this movie going like, oh, this is so obviously Storm Shadow at this point. But the thought did cross my mind. And I think it was like maybe a few scenes later where I was like, oh, yeah, pretty sure this is going to be Storm Shadow. Once we meet everybody in his clan and we see the living situation and all of that, that's where it's kind of like, oh, OK, this is where it's going. I felt for sure it was Storm Shadow because of the scar. And Arnie, you said this director wanted to appeal to millennials. So uh, millennials, they're woke. They're into gender equality. Everyone should be into gender equality, but, you know, they really push that. So to appeal to millennials, do you introduce a female head of security, Akiko, and then have Tommy be like, yeah, she gives us a lot of advice, but we don't have to listen to it. Like, th that felt really weird to have that line. Like, here's our one, like, real, I guess grandma's a female character, and we'll get Scarlet, but, like, Akiko feels like the main female lead in this, and it's just like, no, you don't actually have to listen to her. She's just a woman. I think this is showing Tommy as being a bad leader. I think that the others would listen to Akiko a lot. Tommy saying, 
I trust myself more than anybody. And so I don't have to listen to her. She doesn't want snake eyes here. And so he's not going to listen to that. I don't necessarily think of that as any sort of positive or negative about genders there, despite the fact that this Tokyo dojo or castle, which is very secluded and only accepts members of its own clan, there's going to be a black man. There's going to be some white people. There's a lot of women. It's like, okay. It's a very racially diverse, sequestered Japanese clan. I do have one question about Akiko for maybe you, Justin. Is this Jinx? I remember there's a red-suited ninja, Jinx, that was a female. Is she supposed to be, like, is her real name Akiko, or is this just a, another new character? I think this might be another new character, but who knows where they're going with this franchise. I mean, they're kind of reestablishing different origins because Jinx was related to Storm Shadow. Cousins once again, but... Who knows? I mean, they didn't reveal any of that here, but if it's a setup for a potential sequel, I could see her coming back as somebody that has a code name, and it could very well be Jinx. I'm surprised that they never revealed her to be Jinx. From what I could find on Jopedia, Jinx's real name is Kim, Kim Arashikagi, who is, yeah, Storm Shadow's cousin, like you said. But according to Jopedia, Akiko is a totally new character again. All right. Let me throw this out there. Is it good that they are bringing in original characters and not making it feel like they're plucking out of the toy box? Or would you prefer X-Men Origins where every character is somebody from the universe? I mean, speaking as a layman when it comes to the Joe universe, I would guess that you'd probably want to pick from the toy box. Like, that's the fun of it, isn't it? Like, I don't, it doesn't matter to me, like, whether this is a new character, an established one, it kind of just rolls off me because I just have vague memories from those movies and that 80s cartoon. But I think your main audience are the collectors, are the fans of the cartoon, and you want to appeal to them. I, I think they would want to see those characters that they grew up loving. Yeah, I'm fine with a bit of column A and a bit of column B, but like, I think if you're doing a movie, I think you need to land a little heavier on pulling people from the toy box than just introducing new people for the sake of introducing new people. I can see both sides. Given that this is a Snake Eyes origin story, I kind of am impressed that they're bringing in so many of these people that aren't just forced into it for toy reasons. It doesn't feel like a G.I. Joe movie. And in that regard, I'll take that as a positive. Hey, I'll say this. They've released, I believe, five or six figures from this movie line. And after seeing this movie, I don't see them doing any more. I think they blew their load on the six that are somewhat toyetic. And that's that's it. You know, is grandma one of them? I want the grandma toy. <laughs> Unfortunately, no, maybe maybe a deluxe pack down the line. But I mean, it's basically a, a snake eyes, a storm shadow, a Kiko, a scarlet and a baroness. No hard master. No hard master. No blind master. I would think you could definitely do more of the ninja people. But yeah, it does seem like. They did the comic figures and Akiko. But here we're introduced to, I guess, most of the supporting cast. We got Grandma, Sen. She's the clan leader still. Tommy is next in line. And since he hasn't had any kids, like he's the last of the line, even though it seems like they recruit people in there, like you said, Arnie. It's weird because they say Sen doesn't meet strangers, but Sen agrees to meet Snake Eyes. And they don't bring in strangers, but Tommy's the last of the bloodline. 
I'm very confused where all these people came from, yes. <laughs> but apparently they must bring in others because they have tests. I mean, why would you have a test if nobody's going to take it? I mean, they do have Blind Master, who's played by a black actor. Yeah, from Jason X. The best one, yeah. <laughs> and then you have Hard Master. This was my my one piece of hope. I, I, I believe that Rizza played Hard Master in Retaliation. Rizza was Blind Master. Hard Master was the old dude who died. Oh, he was Blind Master. Okay. So Hard Master here, played by Iko Uwes. I believe that's how you say it. Not 100% sure, but super excited to see him here because, guys, you've talked about the raid before. We got to do that franchise at some point. It's amazing. So I'm like, okay, they do have at least one real martial artist guy like that can really kick ass if you've seen those raid films. Like, So I'm like, okay, well, at least get one super cool scene here. And they start talking about these three challenges and he, he's part of that first challenge. So I'm like, okay, here comes our first great fight scene. I still haven't seen the raid films, but given that all I know this guy as is from being in Kanja Club in The Force Awakens, I didn't have high hopes. Okay, you've watched the wrong films of his then. Oh, have I? Tell that to Contra Club. I don't even know what that film is. <laughs> he was in that movie because of his popularity from the raid. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, we got this first challenge that Snake Eyes and Hard Master, they each have a bowl with water. And Snake Eyes has got to switch bowls with him without spilling any water. And he's got four tries. And... You don't get the guy from the Ray to uh, politely hand over a bowl of water as this challenge plays out. Like, wow. This is why you get a great martial artist to, to go, hey, can I, can I have your bowl, please? <laughs> hey, there's three times of decent fights first. And I think this guy's pretty funny because every time he gets Snake Guy's bowl, I love that he splashes it in the face. My audience <laughs> gave a big laugh on try three where he just slowly pours it down on Snake Eyes. Everybody was having fun. I actually thought the resolution was going to be like, just leave your bowl empty and like there's nothing to spill out. But Snake Eyes does have to fill that bowl up every time. I will say I did not see this resolution coming. So that was somewhat clever. I didn't see it was going to be just, oh, politely ask. I thought what would happen is each time he knocks down Hardmaster, a little more spills out of Hardmaster's bowl. And on try four, the bowl would be empty. But no, they do keep refilling it. <laughs> they have to push it in our face, though, as we flash back to Tommy telling Snake Eyes, put aside ego. So that that's challenge one. And I thought that's what was going to set up the Oath of Silence from Snake Eyes is like setting aside ego. Like, I'm really paying attention to that because I'm like, when's he going to shut up and stop talking? And so I'm like, OK, it's all about ego and humility. And yeah, you just just ask the guy if you could have his bowl and, and you'll give him his and you pass the challenge. And they say if you don't pass the challenges, you die. So I'm like, OK, I don't see what's killing you here, but maybe Hardmaster will kill you if you fail the fourth time. But he gets through that pretty quickly. So he passes the first challenge, and after all this talk of three challenges and all that stuff, we kind of get sidetracked because now Snake Eyes is going to sneak out on an electric motorcycle and head into downtown Tokyo and end up meeting up with Kenta in, you know, some seedy part of Tokyo. And we realize, oh, okay, so he's still working with Kenta here. Two things about his trip into Tokyo. The first is, I'm with this movie. I'm like, okay, where's he going? Why? He doesn't know anybody in Tokyo, I don't think. Where is he off to? I was just excited because there's an excuse to put a ninja on a motorcycle. And those are two things that I love. A ninja, ninja on, on a ninja? ninja. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> no, Jinx isn't in this movie, Justin. <laughs> but... 
Then I'm like, he went to a bathhouse? Yes. That's really weird. And then I see the tattoos and it hits me. And Justin, thank God we reviewed Yakuza like a dragon because my research of that movie let me know the only Japanese with tattoos are Yakuza. I'm like, oh, he's in a Yakuza place. Was he going to confront his old boss and find out if there's a price on it? <gasps> he still works for him. <laughs> I, I, the floor fell out from under me. I did not see this coming. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad this scene is here because, like, I've been kind of complaining that it just seems up until this point, things are just happening around Snake Eyes. But now it seems like, oh, there is a plan here. It's not just all random happenstance. He's been puppeted. Apparently the Arashikaji clan has the Jewel of the Sun. I, we're not given an origin for this, right? It's just the magic rock that they keep under lock and key under a DNA lock. I'm sorry we didn't have Benicio Del Toro come in and say at the start of the galaxy there were ingots and <laughs> that one was the Jewel of the Sun. <laughs> is that where they're going? Is, is, is Cobra Commander going to collect a bunch of jewels through this franchise? But the whole MacGuffin is to get this jewel. That's why Snake made this relationship with Tommy's to earn his trust because, yeah, ultimately Snake Eyes wants to get to his father's killer. Kenta's still not going to give that to him, but he will hand over those loaded dice. Yeah, it's a, he teases it out. It's like, you give me the jewel, I'll give you your dad's killer, and Snake Eyes is like ready to walk away. Ah, but here's the dice, and that's enough to keep him in it for a little while longer. And I'm now like, wow, you're really subverting my expectations with this film. Now, is this great cinema? No, this is cliche storytelling. But to take a really well-known G.I. Joe story and to turn it on its side this way makes this, honestly, one of the better reboots I've ever seen. I feel like this is every hero's origin story, maybe starting in the 70s in comic books, when things got a little bit more gritty and really going into the 80s, where, yes, all their origins were, you know, Luke Cage, he was a street thug, and then they tried to do tests on him, and he got superpowers and learned to become a superhero. Like, you say turning it on its side, I feel like uh, th this is how they do action movies now. Like, we'll take all these people that you think were bad, and they really have a heart of gold, or but they have a troubling background. So, again, I, I just never bought Snake Eyes as a Yakuza, and I guess if we did actually see him kill people at the beginning, I would have been more into his turn to become a good guy. But I'm like, I already know where this is going. He, he's not going to become bad. He's Snake Eyes. Yeah, I mean, I know we're not there yet, but I think my biggest critique of all of this is that just Snake Eyes never really changes from frame one of this movie to the end. Like, he, he goes on his long journey, but the more compelling story that we're watching here is the transformation of Tommy. Yeah, they, sh they should have called this Storm Shadow. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I think both have arcs. I mean, unfortunately, Snake Eyes is just so blatant and obvious, right? that we know where it's going before it begins. But I didn't see this coming, but I knew that he wouldn't end up murdering his dad's killer in this movie. I knew that would not be the final frames of Snake Eyes beheading a guy. So this twist kept me going, and it just, my mind was churning, though. Like, well, if Snake Eyes is betraying this clan and he's the bad guy, is the whole clan going to be against him is what is going to happen here. I mean, I'm paying attention to the movie, so I'm not giving full thought to it, but my mind is not able to put A and B together to see how this would all play out. And in fact, I forgot all about that we were in a G.I. Joe film for the most part, other than knowing one was Storm Shadow and one was Snake Eyes. I'm not thinking about 
other G.I. Joe members, especially when Blind Master gives him this test to follow Tinkerbell into the forest. I'm kind of forgetting about the challenges thing, and I do follow it enough that I remember when we finally get to the third challenge, but maybe I missed the second challenge. Was it him on a vision quest? Yeah, it's him going into the cave on Dagobah. Yes, okay, so the vision quest was the second challenge. Okay. Yeah, I don't even understand how this is a test, a challenge. Like, you're just going to have a vision. And look, we're going to talk about some giant anacondas in a bit, but I'm like, is this literally <laughs> happening or did they like drug his tea and this is hallucinations and that's why he's having this. I think it's like literally they just have magic floating things that light up and I mean, they have a rock from the sun or something like, uh, so I guess there's magic in G.I. Joe. There definitely is if you watch that cartoon, like that cartoon movie has a lot of weird stuff and this seems to be uh, leaning into that. He said, follow the light. And at first I thought lightning bug from Black Widow, but then I'm <laughs> but then I'm just like, clap if you believe. I do believe, Tinkerbell. I do believe. <laughs> and I'm fine with magic or weird tech in a G.I. Joe movie, obviously, but I feel like it needs to be sprinkled in a little bit before now. Like we're halfway through this movie and all of a sudden it's like, oh, so this Magic is in this universe. Okay. Yeah, that, exactly. Put this in the first act if you want me to believe in magic. Yeah. <laughs> it's ninjas. It's Blind Master. We already knew Blind Master could kind of see. I mean, he's blind, but yet at dinner, Akiko raises her glass to him and he raises his glass back from across the room. Again, that's in the tradition of Zatoichi, the blind swordsman who everyone thinks can see because he could react so well with his other senses. I, I feel like that is a Japanese tradition in samurai films, and, and they're just following that. that. That stuff doesn't surprise me that blind master could react to things like he could actually see. But the vision he has is, is he's a child again hiding in the bushes as Mr. Augustine is walking away from killing his dad. And so in this vision, instead of hiding in the bushes, he runs up to Augustine and just gets shot on the way there and visits with his dad. I'm sorry, I couldn't save you. And his dad's like, you survived. That's what's important. <laughs> yeah. And then he cut off Darth Vader's head and he, oh, wait. <laughs> but I don't see what the test proved. I mean, they say the second test is really important for him to pass the third test. Is it that he has to come to terms with what happened here? And if he can face up to it, then he'll be pure of heart for the third test. And it's basically telling him his weakness. Yeah, that, that's what they say. Again, going back to that mirror scene at the beginning, they say this is a mirror to reveal your weakness. You must unburden yourself. You got to get rid of all this vengeance and hate and revenge that you want to get for your father's death if you want to be pure in heart. So how do you fail that test? By not letting that stuff go? I don't know how you fail challenge two. I have no idea how you fail it. <laughs> I think challenge two is literally set up for challenge three. Yeah. It kind of doesn't work in that regard. I, I thought he'd have to fight blind master or something, but no, they're trying to go a very different way and not put Henry Golding in too many martial arts fights. But before we get to challenge three, we're going to get some more developments in this plot. We're going to get some more Joe characters added. This was an interesting way to go is that it feels like a weird diversion here that Tommy, Akiko, and Snake Eyes go on the offensive and find out that Kenta is running weapons in Tokyo and they're going to go steal the weapons or stop him. Tommy's like, I'm going to go kill him. And I mean, it, admittedly, the vision quest wasn't exactly so exciting, so we need to have a fight in here. 
but I thought it was a fun, subtle Easter egg that the weapons crates had Cobra's logo on them and they didn't focus on it. It's just in the edge of frame. If you notice, you notice. If you don't, they'll point it out later. Yeah, it was pretty hard not to notice. I'm like, oh, there's the Cobra insignia. Okay, here we go. Now we're getting into a Joe movie. Well, it was big and red, I suppose. Yes. <laughs> the, the, the thing that confuses me about these two clans is, is that we've seen both of them are very well stocked with ninjas and soldiers and men. They never use them where they should be needed. It's like, if Kenta is dead set on getting that stone. Well, you have a lot of men. Just siege the place, right? At least give it a try. Or maybe that's why he's getting the guns. Okay, it's fine. Okay, Tommy realizes they're getting a bunch of guns, so they're gearing up for something big. Okay, Tommy, you have a bunch of guys. Instead of just taking your your new buddy and your leader of security, bring a whole bunch of people with you to get those guns and maybe stop this thing before it happens. It's like, what's the point but, of but having all this backup if it's never used? Because this is just the shadow before the storm, Justin. Oh, right. <laughs> We're going to have the storm later on. But we do have, I guess the stakes are raised as Baroness gives Snake Eyes an ultimatum that you have three days to get that jewel or else she has the killer that he's locked up somewhere. He, he sees a picture of him, but if he doesn't give them the jewel in three days, they're going to let the killer go. Yeah, well, Snake Eyes wanted out again. He's like, I have the dice, but no, I still can't betray my friend. Oh, we have him in the room next door and you have three days. So now it's time to go back and betray them. But for I think he's now waiting to see how the third challenge goes. Like if he could pass the third challenge, I think he'd not go with Baroness. And if he fails the third challenge, well, he has nothing to lose anyway. But he, just for giggles, he tried breaking in once to see where the jewel was kept. And he did get caught by Akiko. Well, he was able to switch his clothes real quick and get back to his room. But yeah, she caught on to him. I, I, I couldn't figure if he's trying, because there's a research facility there. Like, they're making specialized weapons at this ancient Japanese temple castle thing. And it looks like it's their data center, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we'll see him use some kind of device later to override security. So I'm like, is, is that why he was there? Was he just testing security? Was he actually stealing some kind of research devices to use later? It's not very clear. Yeah, this is where I start having big problems with this movie is the relationship between Akiko and Snake Eyes because she was very suspicious of him up front and very rightfully so. She's followed him twice. One time she lost him and didn't know where he went and so she wasn't sure. She almost caught him breaking into the jewel thing. They fought, you know, they've, they've had all this thing and then just for no reason she makes this turn where she's almost in love with him. Like, she's looking longingly into his eyes. They almost have a moment where they almost kiss, you know? It's after he tells about his father's death and not knowing his name and all of this. That's when she falls for him, as he reveals himself to be vulnerable to her. Right, but it doesn't change any of the suspicions she's had or the things she's seen him doing up to this point. So that's, to me, it was an unearned turn. And it's also around this time that we're going to get another Joe, too, once this this trio knows that Cobra's involved because they saw that Cobra insignia. Don't, don't brand yourself. if you. I guess Cobra, he's very, he's got a lot of ego, so he's always going to brand himself. But they're <laughs> going to call Scarlet, and she's just going to like, look, you're going to have a fight in a bathroom. I'm thinking of that Mission Impossible Fallout, that amazing fight in the bathroom. Oh, yeah, where Henry Cavill cocks his arms. <laughs> yes, and they make shotgun sounds. Amazing. 
Look, I like Samira Weaving. She was a lot of fun in Bill and Ted Face the Music. I, I really enjoyed her in Ready or Not. But not a fighter is what I'm going to say because another bad action scene in, with this bathroom fight. I guess it's supposed to be funny. This is why it's for millennials because she's going to FaceTime her fight. But yeah, also, this implies that the Joes are traveling commercially on missions. <laughs> <laughs> I did not think about that. <laughs> I also like Samara Weaving. Guns Akimbo, great movie. Everybody go see it. Yeah, yes, true. And here, I mean... Three Billboards, really great movie. You know, you talked about the couple we reviewed. She's terrible here. She's got awful here. I mean. Oh, bad, bad. I, I had to look her up because I knew the name sounded familiar. I'm like, where do I know her from? Oh, I know her from things she was good in. She can be good. But here, oh boy, if this is the connection to Joe, it hurts. Yeah, well, the injection of Baroness and Scarlet here is something that, going into this movie, I thought I would have wanted. But the way this movie's gone so far, it just all of a sudden feels like we have some cosplay going on in the middle of this otherwise ninja, honor-driven story. And I love it. Like, Scarlet, okay, she works for the Joes. They know about this jewel. It's super powerful. Hey, I'm going to come. We, we know the, the Yakuza and Cobra are coming to take over the castle to get that jewel. So we'll send one Joe to help you out. Like, Send Snow Job to ski down Mount Fuji, send Gung Ho on a Navy ship, send them all to stop these people from getting a super powerful weapon. I'm going to catch the next American flight out. <laughs> Sorry. Well, what they're <laughs> going to explain is that Cobra in this telling is a group of affiliated terrorist cells and crime organizations and other things like that. It's not yet an organization that Cobra Commander has taken control of. I did really think that if they got a hold of that jewel, Weather Dominator. Like, that's the thing I associate with Cobra. I'm like, they want to, they need that for their Weather Dominator. <laughs> that is what I was thinking is that I, at first I thought the jewel was just money. But later on, we're going to find it's a magic jewel. It literally is magic. And I'm like, oh, it's going to power some super weapon. Right. But we have to first see super snakes as the third trial comes. And I knew what was going to happen beforehand because Hardmaster is laughing and Snake Eyes is like, what's so funny? He's like, you'll find out, Snake. Like, well, nobody just calls him Snake. He's not like Pliskin from Escaped from New York. <laughs> so obviously there's a snake in the pit. Yeah, I, I thought it was going to be Indiana Jones, like real snakes, not giant. I know there's giant anacondas. I don't think they're this giant, like... And there's like a bunch of them and they could sense if you have a pure heart. And again, drug is tea. This is a hallucination. This is an internal realization that he has. But no, it's literal. These giant anacondas have to be literal because they're going to come back in the end. <laughs> and my thought with this was the movie Anaconda. And I'm like, CGI has improved so much <laughs> since Anaconda <laughs> in the 90s. Mm, has it? Yes, this still looks really bad. Like, let's not do giant anacondas yet. I'll give them a little bit of credit. I mean, they added some of that, like, realistic texture of flakiness that snakes have. They're not always super smooth and shiny. But my bigger problem was scale. Like, I couldn't get a sense. Like, sometimes their heads were big enough to swallow somebody whole. Other times their heads were much smaller than that. They just, they kept changing the scale on us. Well, there's like four of them in there, so maybe they're of different lengths. Yeah, possibly. But, but this is where I'm like, wow, that you really needed to set this kind of tone up earlier in the film. I'm thinking ninjas, motorcycles, MMA fighting early on, Yakuza, and now 
we got a little bit of magic and now giant snakes. Again, this feels appropriate, especially if you've seen that G.I. Joe cartoon movie, but it feels very out of place at this point in the film. I'll agree. I was not expecting giant snakes. <laughs> you know, it's like this movie appears to have no rules. You can just do anything in it. Mm hmm. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm saying with the, the introduction of Baroness and, and Scarlet here. It changes from the movie we've been watching into something different now. But he is not worthy. And of course, who expects it? We're not done with the movie yet. So of course he can't be worthy yet. He's going to have to be saved because the snakes were going to eat him. Akiko is going to come in, intervene and save his ass. Yeah, because she still has a pure heart. I guess even though she's not letting this trial go the way it's supposed to be. I guess her heart's still pure, and so they won't attack her, and it gives Snake Eyes a chance to escape again. I knew this was going to happen because, yeah, you have to fail the challenge the first time, and then you come back, and you do it right, and you win. You're a winner. And so this feels like a kid's cartoon. If I was eight, this would probably seem all really cool and, and new and novel, but it feels tired at this point. I'm fine with it. It's going as expected. It's not, you know, worse than expected. It's just doing kind of what I think it would do, and... You know, he wasn't going to be eaten by the snakes. I didn't necessarily see Akiko saving him. And I wondered if she was going to be kicked out of the group for that because she interfered. But no, they're kind of like, you shouldn't have done that. But their real wrath is saved for the guy who almost died. You, you failed the test. So the snakes didn't kill you. Tell us why you aren't pure of heart or we will kill you. Yeah, and this is where he's got to tell the story about his dad and they're all very disappointed that he lied and they're going to kick him out. And Blind Master is standing right there. We've been told Blind Master can sense lies. And so I'm like, is he going to tell the whole story here? No, he's just going to tell enough. He's going to tell about his dad again. And Blind Master's like, he's telling the truth. Well, you live, but you leave. Yeah. But what's confusing, I guess he's still going to make a blood pack with Tommy. Now, again, I, I figured out pretty soon after the scene why he makes this blood pack. But it, again, in the moment, it feels a little confusing because now, OK, you're getting kicked out, but you're still being friends with Tommy. Tommy already owes him a life debt, right? Like, I, I don't know why this changes anything that he still saved his life. He still said, I'm indebted to you for life. So it shouldn't matter if he's in the clan or not. It's weird because Tommy seems really betrayed and says, if you would have told me, you could have been part of the guy. Is he betrayed because Snake Eyes didn't say, hey, I've been hunting my dad's killer? Tommy seems a little bit butthurt by Snake Eyes for what, you know, Snake Eyes is the one getting kicked out. Yeah, it's almost like a pre-apology for something Snake Eyes hasn't done yet, which is steal the jewel. You know, but they're not going to have time for that afterwards. So it's like we're getting this brotherhood apology before that even happens for something that doesn't really matter. It's like, what? why are you apologizing? You didn't really lie. Well, what he's doing here is this is all a ruse. He's right. getting Tommy's blood. Right. Which doesn't make Snake Eyes all that much of a sympathetic character at this point. I'm feeling more for Tommy at this point than I am for Snake Eyes, who is just blindly doing this. I think that's the point. And isn't that an interesting take that they are trying to make you sympathize with the guy you know is the villain instead of sympathize with the guy you think of as a hero? I thought that was an interesting way to go. But that's only if you have G.I. Joe knowledge, which I admit, probably 80% of the people going to see this probably know about G.I. Joe. But just looking at it from a pure of heart perspective, like if I went into this blindly not knowing this property, like this wouldn't mean anything to me because they haven't set Tommy up as a tragic character yet. 
No, that that all comes very quickly. Too quickly. It, it feels more like the best example is the Godfather seeing someone good turn evil. And a bad example, I'm going to say, is Star Wars. Like, Anakin just turns very quickly in that last film. Like, oh, oh, now you're just Darth Vader all of a sudden. That, and that's how this feels. Like, we need him to be bad now, guys, so he's bad. <laughs> <laughs> I actually was thinking at points of this movie, oh, so this is what the prequels should have been. This is a better Anakin story than what we got from Lucas. It is a bit better, but it's still not great. They jump right into the theft next, though. I mean, he hasn't been banished for minutes when he's breaking right back in to steal the jewel this time. Yeah, he's got to do that before the blood dries, right? I don't know how you do a DNA scan like with dried blood on a rag. I guess you could get DNA off of that. I don't know if the laser would read that, but... He does a fake break-in so he could see where it's kept and where everything is, and then he does a real break-in where he uses that rag with the blood on it to trigger the DNA lock, and it opens up, and he's got the jewel. But apparently this thing is the most important thing to this entire clan, this entire family, but it's only guarded by four dudes (laughs) that aren't watching all angles of entry. They're just kind of watching that one stairway. I was laughing that they were all faced in one direction, but I think they were faced in the direction where he had set off the alarm. So they think they're facing the problem. And the whole entire place is a fortress to guard the stone. And that is just the last line of defense. True. Yeah, they call it a castle. Of course he goes, he turns it over to Kenta. I do think it's funny, like he just tosses the jewel and you see Baroness, she reaches out to catch it. You can in those heels. Those, did you see her heels? Those were incredibly like, crazy like pinpoint like very high you ain't gonna catch nothing in those heels so kenta gets the stone she looks very hurt very disappointed but they do give snake eyes the chance to kill mr augustine and again i know he's not going to i was surprised that he cuts him free but i knew he wasn't going to kill him because he's got to have that change of heart now it's a weird time to have the change of heart Maybe it's because he now knows Cobra is a terrorist organization and Kinto has said that he's giving the stone to Cobra when this is all said and done. Cobra's helping him now get his clan and in response, Cobra's going to get that jewel for nefarious reasons. My reading was we see Kenta demonstrate the power of the stone and he like disintegrates someone. So I guess he realizes once he sees that, oh, this this really is dangerous. Maybe he did think it was just a precious rock, but he sees the power of it and that's what makes him turn. That, that That's my best reasoning. Yeah, this should have been the moment where he learned that honor is more important than anything else. You know, more important than revenge And they've done it earlier in this movie. They've done flashbacks with voiceovers of him remembering certain things. They could have just done a quick, you know, honor above all. And it's like, ah, yes, now I get it. I've been blindly following orders of these other people for so long now. Now it's my turn to take control of my own destiny and make the right choice. But it doesn't play out that way. No, he goes and he sees his dad's killer. And I'm like, this is where we're going to find out who the killer is and why he killed the dad. There's going to be story beats here that matter. I do like the moment where Snake Eyes says, you killed my father, and the guy's like, you're going to have to be more specific. I mean, that was a, a funny moment, but this just doesn't have a whole lot of payoff. Snake Eyes almost kills him and then doesn't. It's just Henry Golding has to do a lot of acting, capital A, to get us through this scene. Yeah, and th- but then we're right into the final conflict. He's like, okay, I got I to go help the clan. 
get that jewel back and we're going to see Kenta and Baroness and they got all their troops with machine guns. Like we're just going to get into the big action scene there. Get an actor who can act. That's great. Like have some moments where you could really reflect in that. I, I don't feel like this little moment in the shack with Mr. Augustine is a great acting moment where I really feel this internal turn with snake eyes and him finding his honor. It's just, it's something I expected something. I, I'm just waiting for the scene to end so we could get to the big action scene. Yeah. This could have been done handled differently this could have been halfway through the movie this could have been a turning point for the character this could have been where snake eyes realizes he's made mistakes and takes a vow of silence for some reason dons the snake eyes outfit iconically and then goes on to right his wrongs for the second half of the movie i wouldn't say the halfway point i think the two-thirds point which is pretty much where we're at we're about three quarters is the place to have that major character turn you don't want that to come too early you want it to be earned here the story has written it to be earned i'm not quite sure the editing and the acting has sold it as earned but it is shocking that immediately we're in a motorcycle chase and i'm like oh this is the climax of the film now (laughs) yeah and Storm Shadow, I'm just calling him Storm Shadow at this point. Like, he's already got a grudge against Snake Eyes, which I guess that's understandable. He stole the jewel, and so they're, like, going to be fighting each other while also fighting Kenta's Yakuza members and Scarlet showing Like, it's a lot of stuff going on, and here's my big problem with it. Like, okay, you're going to have, like, cool motorcycle chases with ninjas, and you're going to jump on trucks and fight and, and all that. That's awesome. I want that. But if your ninjas are all in black and your scenes at night... Um, I can't see what's going on. Like, this is not how you stage action. Like, ugh, it's very frustrating. And it's all just CGI driven there. I don't know if they had a stuntman on the set. It feels like we'll just animate bodies on a computer doing these cool flips, you know, over someone and back onto a motorcycle. Well, that, that truck driver is not stopping for anything like gunshots. Nope. No. I'm getting these cars delivered. Somebody's <laughs> stealing a car. Fine. I got to keep trucking. <laughs> He's, he's revved up on five-hour energy and peanuts. He's not even paying attention. I'll agree with you, Jacob, though. I had real trouble seeing here, and the camera work is not doing me any favors, or maybe it's doing the effects some favors. I can't get a good look at them, and so it's hopping all over the place. But it's okay. I just wish I could see it more and understand where everybody's coming from. The one cool scene is when Akiko and Storm Shadow are both going with their swords after Snake Eyes, and Snake Eyes leaps off the motorcycle, does a flip in the air, lands back on the bike. I thought that was a cool move. It's all CGI, though. There's nothing real to it. It's not even a guy. Look, I know Jackie Chan uses wires to enhance his martial arts. I don't have a problem with enhancement, but there's nothing real here. And that's my problem. It just, look, at least if I'm watching a cartoon, I could appreciate the artistry of the animators and and all that here. I don't know. I guess I could appreciate the artistry of the CGI animators, but I want something to feel real in these action films. This has been a frustration with F9, with Black Widow, and here's just another example. I don't like this trend. If you're going to do a big action film, then do actual action. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, it was just enough that, like... I didn't wish that there was more, you know, it started to string out a little bit to the point where I'm like, all right, let's, let's move on. We get it. You guys are doing actiony stuff, but you know, any, any, any longer. And I would have been like, eh, come on, let's get over. 
But if this was action like The Raid, which is a, a two-hour film of just people fighting in a building, like, it'd be great. You want that action to keep going. Like, that movie rarely lets up. It's just adrenaline the whole time. Here, yeah, I, I agree. I'm just kind of bored and ready to move on with this fight because it's doing nothing for me. And while, while I would say that you wouldn't necessarily expect the realistic stunts out of a G.I. Joe movie, I can see where if you're going to sell us on a ninja G.I. Joe movie that you do need some of that. Yes. Yeah, I'll agree with you both. I'm come down the middle and say that I feel like this is necessary and not done as well as I'd like, but it's also just wasting time till we get to the real climax. I agreed. It's like somebody felt like we need to have a motorcycle chase in here. Uh, that would be me, Arnie. I agree. I want a motorcycle chase with ninjas in this film, but not <laughs> this one. That would be like my first note if I was... Go write a Snake Eyes movie. Okay, Ninja Motorcycle. Let's figure out how to work a good scene in, into this film with that. That'd be my first thing I'd write, but not this one. And then we end up, though, back at the clan, and I don't know how many Yakuza ninjas there are. They seem literally endless. I don't know why they need Yakuza members here. Just have Kenta blow everyone up. That's what this stone does. Like, just blow everyone up. Like, when he faces off against Grandma, and, like, yes. he's, he's causing a pillar of fire on the left and a pillar of fire on the right, and it literally just looks like they have a pyrotechnics tube, like, shooting gas up with a flame. Like, <laughs> it looks so awful. I guess it's real. I've been saying I wanted real stuff. They gave me something real there. I was like, is he trying to blow her up, but her magic is such that he can't? No, he's just toying with her. Just... <laughs> Kill her? Isn't that what you're there for? <laughs> yeah, just kill her. Yeah. But no, they're, they're, it's going to give the other characters time to load a cart full of fireworks. So he accidentally blows that up and like makes him lose the stone. I do like the moment where all the masters come together to face him. You get hard master, blind master, grandma, snake eyes, storm shadow, Akiko, Scarlet showed up just in time to take some guns and shoot at people. She shouldn't have taken Spirit Airlines. They're known for their delays. She could have got there sooner. <laughs> <laughs> and even an, an uneasy alliance with Baroness for a while there. You know, they were on the same side in this fight. Yeah, because Kenta has turned on Baroness, so she's going to team up temporarily with the good guys. Again, that's the theme, these uneasy alliances. They call it triangles earlier on. I'm like, man, there are so many triangles in this film with Storm Shadow and Snake Eyes and Kenta and Baroness and Scarlet and all the... Did, did Euclid write this? Because there's a lot of geometry going on, a lot of triangles here. Uh, but their hero shot here is a little clunky. This is where it really feels cosplay to me, where we get the <laughs> shot of all the heroes ready to face off. It, it just, this came off as a little bit of almost like screen testy. Like, okay, let's see if these people look good in these costumes. And oh, oh, it's in the final movie. Okay, that's good. Yeah, this feels like the promo, like, you know, where they sometimes do those posters that could connect. And like, this is like the poster. You got to buy like four <laughs> yeah. of them. And then you have all the characters standing in a, a line like that. And I never understood Scarlet's weapon like again crossbows are cool she's got like a, a machine gun crossbow just shooting arrow after arrow i don't know how you load a clip into that thing but uh, pick up a machine gun but probably better when a guy's got a magic rock and she used a machine gun much earlier she picked up some uzis yes. and started doing <laughs> some shooting but then here at the end she's like yeah i'm gonna go to my crossbow <laughs> much more practical but yes this final turn is frustrating because after the fireworks cart blows up tommy gets the stone and Again, the stone can just turn people into ash. It is an all-powerful stone. He fires it at Kenta. He misses? 
Kent's is fine. I thought it hit him, but then we saw that Kenta got away. It, it confused me. Yeah, it's like he blew up a building, but didn't hurt Kenta. But yet he's still in trouble because he used the stone and... Yeah, they, they were never supposed to use it. Grandma's going to be very upset. But if you're going to have consequences for an action, then that action should actually have caused something to happen. Yeah, because remember those giant anacondas? Those got to come back. Like, I'm like, oh boy. As soon as I saw like snake eyes chasing Kenta into the woods, I'm like, oh, they're going back to the snake pit, aren't they? Oh no. And snake eyes picks up a chain, gets it around Kenta's <laughs> leg. And I swear to God, I just expected snake eyes to say, get over here. <laughs> His main weapon. I played with those toys. It's all about the chains. I'm losing it. I'm like, wow, you're picking up the chain and grabbing him and pulling him. <laughs> and no, they have to prolong it. He's got Snake Eyes is going to have to go into. Yeah, this is so dragged out. I mean, literally, we got to watch Snake Eyes slowly drag Kenta down that pit. Like, just get to the point. I don't know why they, they want to elongate a lot of these action scenes, which aren't very uh, adrenalizing. And, like, we know where this is going. Like, fall into the pit. We know they're going to eat Kenta. And Snake Eyes now has a pure heart, so they won't attack him. When Kenta even murders one of the snakes, which I'm not quite sure if we're how we're supposed to feel about that. Like, because... Those snakes are murderers, too. Well, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm okay with the dead snake. It shocked me because you see the snake coming and Kenta is over snake eyes and about to kill him, but monologuing. Snake eyes sees the anaconda coming up behind Kenta. I thought that was the end, right? The snake was going to eat Kenta, but Kenta beheads it. I thought that was kind of a fun turn. I'm like, oh, you just needed a sword down there. These things are not so tough. <laughs> but then the second one comes and just so damn fast. But Snake Eyes, he can't get the chain off his arm now or something. This was, again, prolonged needlessly that while Kenta is being swallowed, Snake Eyes is coming in like unwanted desserts and the anacondas are sniffing him. And finally, Anaconda is sentient enough to cut his chain and set him free the way he cut free his dad's killer earlier. Bite that chain free so he could get away because he's pure in heart now. He's he's made that turn. Very symbolic. <laughs> yeah, so these are somewhat sentient snakes. That's what I'm saying is like, are we okay with killing them? Like apparently the clan uses them to judge people's wholesomeness. They're like God. Yeah, they judge people. Only anacondas <laughs> can judge me. That's what I've always said. My anaconda is judgmental. <laughs> All-knowing anacondas. But now it's going to become the Storm Shadow origin story. Grandma's going to kick Tommy out for using that jewel once the clan is saved. And Tommy, next time I see you, Snake Eyes, I'm taking your life. Like, now they are rivals. Yeah, that seemed a little unearned. After everything that's gone on in this movie, blaming it all on Snake Eyes just didn't feel earned. I kind of go with it because Snake Eyes betrayed his deepest confidence. Like, even the Blood Brother thing. Tommy trusted this guy so implicitly, and it was all a ruse. Yeah, I, I'm okay with Tommy wanting some vengeance here. That Tommy finds out he's not going to be leader of his clan and has to be subservient for the rest of his life because of using the stone to not kill somebody, that's a hard blow. That is, <laughs> I'd be pissed if I was Tommy also. But... If you turn that quickly, were you pure in heart? Again, everyone has gone through this anaconda test. Is pure in heart in this clan? No, I don't think family. I don't think family does. So he was never really all that pure. That's the problem with monarchies. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm not even that concerned about his quick turn. Like, I do understand that. But, like, if you're turning that hard that quick, then why even give Snake Eyes a head start? Like, fight him right now, you know? Take your anger out now. But it's like, nope, we're gonna... Next time I see you, pal, that's when we're really gonna be the enemies. But the movie's over, so we can't do that. That's a movie trope. I'm, all, You know, they do that all the time. <laughs> Especially in G.I. Joe cartoons, I guess. I'll get you next time. <laughs> But hey, Justin, you, you wanted that cool Snake Eyes helmet that he, the, the toy's always wearing. We finally get it in the last uh, 30 seconds here, which is funny because, again, I only saw one trailer for this, but like scrolling through Facebook, you know, these ads would pop up and they have like those <laughs> 10 second, you know, recycled clips that just are on a loop. And it was just one of Snake Eyes standing there, like pushing some button on the side of his helmet and that visor closing up. I'm like, OK, so he's going to get the outfit. No, that that is literally like the last 10 seconds of this film. And that's all of it. You've seen Snake yep. Eyes in costume in this movie, if you've seen the trailer. That is the 100% all of it. And for an origin story, I don't necessarily need these things in an origin story. But if we're just going to wait to the very last scene to get our hero into his iconic outfit, which every eight-year-old who wants to see this movie is hoping for, then I need a little explanation for, because all of a sudden his symbol, his very iconic symbol is on his arm. Yeah, we saw that on some of the clan's flags earlier, I think. Yep, give a little bit of lip service to it. You could really see it when Tommy takes off his ring to say, I'm no longer part of the family. They close up on it there. Yeah. So when you see it on the arm, it's fresh in your memory. But no vow of silence like that. I, I don't have a reason for that yet. That, that's got, I guess, an origins, too, for Snake Eyes is when he becomes silent. I thought they were going to cut his tongue out. Yeah. I literally thought at some point his <laughs> tongue would be cut out. But no, they didn't go that way. He's not mouthy enough to be a Deadpool version one from Wolverine <laughs> Origins. Like, well, you lie, you know, cut out your lying tongue, something like that. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that do it. It would have been better than anything here. But yeah, we find out that the dad was a G.I. Joe agent who was undercover, got found out. And before the Joes could get there to help him, he was murdered by Cobra. And so... That's what all this has all been about is this war of Joe versus Cobra that nobody's heard of, but this terrorist organization who isn't even a real terrorist organization yet. Like there's still a loose alliance of terrorist organizations and these freedom fighters. They've been fighting for at least 21 years and <laughs> nobody knows about it, but yeah. And then credits roll, but not very long before we see storm shadow on the plane. Baroness is there to recruit him because you know, your whole family was just attacked by Cobra. Your cousin almost killed your whole family working for Cobra. Yeah, I'll go work for them now. Why not? Convenient. We got to finally hear him say Storm Shadow. Like, I, I've been waiting for that for two hours since I realized very early on who Tommy was. And yes, we finally get that, get him to say the name. Well, yeah, this origin story has to, like, present some origins at some point. So why not the last scene and the <laughs> post credit scene? <laughs> Well, was it enough origins? Justin, Jacob, do you recommend Snake Eyes G.I. Joe Origins? Justin. This is tougher than I thought it was going to be going in, you know, because those first two movies, they were what they were. They were live action cartoons. So it's like that's either something you're into and you enjoy it or it's not and you can skip it. This one's trying to be something else. And I'm not quite sure who they're aiming it at because if this is Hasbro's plan at selling more toys... This movie isn't selling toys to anybody. If I'm an 8 to 10 year old kid and I'm all excited because I like this black suited ninja that I have an action figure of and I want to go see him, he's not really in this movie. You know, I mean, 
there's a guy who kind of calls himself Snake Eyes, but uh, is Snake Eyes the cool guy in this movie? No, he's not. So, yeah, as far as, like, the impetus for making a movie based around a toy property, I think it fails, you know? Like, I already mentioned, I have the six figures that they put out for this movie, and I'm fine with it. If they never make another one, whatever. But as a movie itself, it's not terrible. I think we talked about it a little bit. I'm not really into what Snake Eyes does in this movie. I was more drawn in by Tommy's story. This should have been Origins of Storm Shadow and left Snake Eyes to be a side character somehow. That would have been more compelling. But then again, Snake Eyes is the name that brings people in. So, you know, it almost feels like they had an idea for this and they could have gone further with it and gone with the Storm Shadow story. But they realized marketing-wise, you need that big name to bring people in. So all of this is just kind of murky muddiness in the middle for me. It's not something I hated and it's not something I super enjoyed. I'm not going to find myself going out and buying the Blu-ray the minute it comes out so I can watch it again. And I don't feel like it's going to stick with me the same way those other two did. Those other two were campy, cheesy fun. And I've thought about them a few times over the years. And going back and re-watching them for this, I enjoyed them again. They were fun and they were breezy. And there was big stakes. They were global stakes. You understood who Cobra was. This, it's just a slow beginning for a reboot. If you're going to reboot G.I. Joe, there's a lot of things you could do. And starting off slow with one little character and not really resolving too much or doing too much to, like, kick off into a bigger G.I. Joe universe after this movie, it feels like a misstep to me. So here's how my recommendation is going to come down. If you're a big fan of those first two movies, I don't think you're going to like this one very much. If you thought those other two movies were too cartoony, too hokey, and you wanted something a little bit more grounded, this might be for you. I'm going to fall on the side of... I wanted more cartoony camp. So this is a mild not recommend for me. Jacob. I will agree that those first two, yeah, they have more of that camp cartoony feel. The first one feels a little too Bayformers for me, but that second one, it hit a right enough spot for me. Like Destro is out of the band. You got Firefly with a motorcycle that turns into missiles. Like, Great. That's what I want out of G.I. Joe. That, that That's hitting that sweet spot for me. This one, that was not my expectation going into this one. I, I wasn't expecting a campy cartoon live action film. I, I was expecting ninjas and martial arts because that's who Snake Eyes is. And I agree with you, Justin. I, I think this should have been Storm Shadow, G.I. Joe Origins. And here's the thing. I actually like Storm Shadow more than Snake Eyes as a kid because, look, they're both ninjas, but I always like the bad guys. They got to have more fun when I was a kid. Maybe that says something about my psychology, but... I think this would have been a stronger film if it was focused on Storm Shadow in his fall because that's the more interesting stuff here. Snake Eyes is is kind of a real bore and, and I don't have a lot of fun going on his journey. But again, my criteria was not toys or G.I. Joe. My criteria was ninjas and martial arts. And this is a movie that has ninjas and it has motorcycles and it has ninjas riding motorcycles. So it should be amazing. But they found some way to make it boring. They they got the main guy from the Raid franchise, great martial artist. And, and what does he do? He, uh, he, he teaches us a life lesson to politely, you know, just say please if you want something instead of kicking ass and... Life lessons are nice, um, but I don't turn to G.I. Joe usually for life lessons, though I guess, you know, knowing is half the battle. They always did have that 30 seconds of, of a life lesson <laughs> at the end of each episode. But again, I don't know if I want the guy from the raid giving me that lesson. I want to see him kicking ass. And Golding, I'm sure he, he seems like a great dramatic actor, but they... 
This is an action film. This is a martial arts film. Find a way with stuntmen or masks to get some real action Hollywood. I'm sick of Black Widow. I'm sick of F9. I want something real. Use CGI to enhance it. Just like in martial arts films, they use wires and then erase them. Do that, but I want to feel something real. I, I just feel like... One, it's hard to follow a lot of the action in this, and it's just not very engaging. So as a ninja film, a complete failure. As a G.I. Joe film, Justin, your your opinion is probably better suited than mine, but the Storm Shadow stuff is all right, but the Snake Eyes stuff felt really disappointing. I I, Yeah, I don't know if you're a fan of those other two, if this one's really going to do much for you, because it really falls flat for me. I was bored for most of this one. This is a not recommend. Wow. Wow. I did not come into this thinking that it would get red arrows <laughs> at all. A bigger twist than anything in this movie. <laughs> Just on the surface of it, this has to be the most competent G.I. Joe movie ever made. I, I, I agree. <laughs> right? <laughs> I walked out and Marjorie asked, how was it? And I go, you know, it was clearly the best G.I. Joe film ever, but... That doesn't make it great. The most competently made, yeah. I mean, it had the best acting of any of them, unless you just like The Rock being The Rock, in which case that one has the best. But if you're looking for performance... But but look, I'll, I'll take some boom mics getting in the frame if I get some cool martial arts stuff and some cool ninja stuff. I'll take some incompetency. <laughs> I'll admit that the martial arts fighting here was lackluster. I never walked out thinking of a single cool move. Much again, like the Mortal Kombat series. The fighting just didn't feel great. It felt workmanlike and perfunctory, but... And three red arrows, right? But I liked the origin story of Snake Eyes, and more, I really liked the origin story of Storm Shadow here. I thought that Henry Golding and Andrew Koji carry this movie and have a really good pseudo-brother relationship here, and... I actually was shocked as hell when I found out that Snake Eyes was still working for the Yakuza. That floor fell out from under me feeling meant I was into this movie. It had a few laughs. The G.I. Joe stuff is bad. And poor Simmer Weaving. I don't know why they had to give her that boob armor plate. It looked really... Because Scarlet wears that. It looked uncomfortable and, un. you know, I'm not usually one to say take that away, but man, that looked uncomfortable and unflattering. It just felt like she was really having a hard time moving in it. But I just, I was into the movie well enough. I think it's a recommend. I think it's a minor step up from the previous ones, but it's because of story and acting and actually trying to take the concept seriously and creating a somewhat grounded version of G.I. Joe here. Uh, there's so much magic in this, Arnie. A magic rock, a magic uh, Tinkerbell, giant anacondas that can read your mind. I don't know if grounded is the right word. Compared to the last two? <laughs> I mean, dropping giant beams from space seems more realistic than mind reading anacondas to me. <laughs> I don't know. I can always go with a real vision quest type of thing. <laughs> I mean, maybe they drugged his juice. They should have. That was my argument. They, it should have been a drug trip. I hear where you're coming from, Arnie, because it almost feels gross to sit here and say, like, ah, I kind of recommend the first two, but this one I don't. It, because it obviously is a better made movie. There was more thought put into this movie. But the, at the end of the day, it just doesn't feel like a G.I. Joe movie. So what is it succeeding at? Because it's not a great ninja movie, as Jacobs pointed out. 
and it's not a super fun G.I. Joe adventure. So what is it? I guess where it's working for me is as a competent American production of a ninja film that doesn't rely on the tropes. I mean, if you look at the original story of Storm Shadow versus Snake Eyes, the you killed my teacher trope is so everywhere in martial arts films that it felt really uninventive. Here, I guess I know just enough Joe lore that by twisting it the way they did really invested me in the film. And I'll agree, if I didn't know anything about Joe, if I hadn't watched those previous movies to refresh myself and know the story of Snake Eyes versus Storm Shadow, that this movie might have not worked at all. It's because of subverting expectations that I found myself having a really good time and not being able to predict where the movie was going next. So I thought it was a fun time. It's not what I'm going to race back to anytime soon, but I thought it was good enough that if they did a sequel, I'd be open to it. Yeah, and don't don't get me wrong. I'm not sitting here saying like, oh my God, they trampled all over my precious G.I. Joe lore. I don't care. You know what I'm saying? Like they can rewrite any of these characters any way they want. They can start from scratch on every single character and I'm fine with it. I guess what I'm saying is at the end of the day, the product you're putting up on the big screen, since you are Hasbro and Paramount, should be something that does something to want me as a 12-year-old to run out to the store and get some toys because I just had an awesome adventure on screen. And I, I didn't have that. I had an okay, sometimes boring, sometimes fine, but ultimately not a great, great time, you know? I, like everybody said, Storm Shadow was the walkaway winner here, and that's not G.I. Joe. So what do you guys think about sequels, follow-ups, spin-offs, more origin films? I really want gung-ho origins because I, I want to see him get that tattoo on his chest. <laughs> I, I always wondered how he got that tattoo on his chest. <laughs> That's what these origin movies are good at. <laughs> I don't want any more origins of single characters. Just let's get into the teams, you know, with more competent filmmaking and you can even scale it back a little bit. It doesn't have to be about world domination and world ending things each time. But let's get more into the teams. That's what this movie was missing. It just felt shallow without the majority of the Joes and the Cobras. Yeah, I don't think any, again, I'm going off vague memories of a cartoon I watched a, a very long time ago. I, there, of course, I could go through characters that I liked as a kid, like Beachhead. Remember that one? He was kind of a ninja. He, he yeah. had that green ranger mask on, but he had machine guns. I really liked that one that toy firefly they're toys yeah firefly again any of the ninja like characters i really liked anyone with a mask on th those were the fun ones but again it's all about the aesthetic and so they weren't characters they were a look and so i, I don't have a problem yeah do a flashy gi joe live action cartoon i i'm down with that i if they could find out how to get characters out of these characters like in those team movies then maybe go off and do a side one but I, I just don't, I don't associate deep character work with G.I. Joe. I associate cool looking costumes. And, and so that's a different kind of movie than a solo film. And Arnie, you brought it up earlier where, you know, it kind of felt like Anakin's turn and stuff like that. And how we were teased with, you know, at the very end of Revenge of the Sith, we finally got to see Darth Vader in the prequels in his outfit. But that's fine because there's already three movies that you can go home and watch with all of Darth Vader in it. Doing that here is like, okay, but where do I get to go watch snake eyes from here because it's the other two movies obviously do not count now those first two movies are not tied to this universe well maybe 
the sequel that they have announced, I don't know if they'll really do it because it looks like G.I. Joe is not going to win the box office this weekend as crowded as my theater was. I guess the theater next door for old was more crowded. What's most telling to me that that Snake Eyes is going to fail is I went last night, you know, after I'd seen the film, and then I went again this morning to check. I went to the Wikipedia page because I like to just read through the plot summary again just to, you know, remind me of things because I'm writing notes in the dark during a a film. And it's just, you know, did I miss anything? Do I have thoughts? Um, There's no full plot summary. Like no one has gone and updated the plot. It's the most vaguest thing that you could probably guess from the trailer or whatever promotional material out. There's not the typical plot summary that you'd get on Wikipedia. And for a major franchise toyetic film like this, like there's fans like we got a fan on the show here, like rabid fans of G.I. Joe, like would want to go to Wikipedia and update that plot. And as of uh, 8 a.m. Pacific time on Saturday, it had not been updated, which is weirdly telling to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Will Actually crowd hasn't gotten up yet, I guess. <laughs> Refresh that wiki page now, Jacob. Oh, did you did you come put a plot summary in there? <laughs> oh, did you, you just fucking post it as fucking oh, plot no. summary in there? <laughs> did you cut and paste it? <laughs> yes! <laughs> I take it back, the Will Actually crowd is wide awake and reviewing Snake Eyes on a podcast. and. <laughs> Boom, there it is. Yep. <laughs> what a twist. No, no, no. That, that That's another movie we're going to be talking about soon. <laughs> I'll say this. I'm not done with the G.I. Joe franchise. This didn't kill it for me. And like I said, I didn't hate this movie. It's just, if I want to get excited for a G.I. Joe movie coming out, I want it to pay off. I want it to be a big spectacle. They're expecting Snake Eyes to make less than $15 million this weekend. What? This is not an indie film. That means they're losing a lot of money. Against a $110 million budget. <laughs> I'm not laughing at the waste of money. I'm just, it is a huge disappointment when you're being beaten by an M. Night film that's only going to make $16 million. Are there that few G.I. Joe fans these days? That that seems shockingly low for what seems to be like major name recognition, at least. Yeah, it, it appears that more Joe fans are buying toys than seeing movies, because from what I can tell, they're at each other's throats online over the hard to get toys. But only 15 million in the weekend for maybe it's Delta. Maybe everybody can blame Delta, but what you can't blame is home video because there was no way to watch this streaming. You had to go to theaters to see it and not many people did. So they announced when this movie was supposed to come out in October, 2020, that there would be a sequel and new writers, but Golding would return as snake eyes and that the producer Lorenzo Di Bonaventura is saying it's just a matter of time we're crossing over with transformers and they have announced transformers beast wars crossovers i don't want for a hundred (laughs) alex i want mask give me my mask movie yeah is this yet another failed attempt is this right there with the mummy and 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 dracula that one had two failed attempts yeah i was thinking dark universe had two and they're, I mean, even DC, they got a Justice League movie, but it's not like they're sticking in-universe with the Batman and Joker and everything. Yeah, let, let's jump to a multiverse where we could erase everything because that got all screwed up. 
So is it yet another failed attempt or will they plug on? The fact that nothing's filming makes me think this one will be swept under the rug and it's been eight years since the last one. So 2029, folks, here we come again. <laughs> With a new reboot, I bet. <laughs> Unless international box office really kicks ass and salvages this thing. I don't see that sequel coming anytime soon. That's true. It would have to really blow up overseas. And But the movie that's beating it is M. Night Shyamalan with old. And yes, that means our M. Night Shyamalan retrospective series gets a new installment this Friday. As Jacob, you and I go back to the theaters, rolling the dice with Delta once again. <laughs> <laughs> to see a movie that I got to think G.I. Joe's better. Right? I mean, I haven't seen old yet, but it's M. Night. I mean, I know Stewart is giggling in anticipation. He loves a bad M. Night. So if it's if it's bad enough, it may be better than this. Yeah, I don't know if what we need in 2021 is a renewed ego of M. Night by winning the box office weekend. <laughs> well, if you want to hear us review all of M. Night Shyamalan's thrillers, that was a donation series we did a couple years back leading up to Glass. And if you donated back then, we're going to be adding our review of Old to your feed this Friday. If you haven't donated yet, we do have the M. Night Blue level of donation where you can hear us review The Sixth Sense, Unbreakable, Glass, Split, Signs, The Happening, The Village, more films that I cannot remember the name of right off the top of my head. But every M. Night film that is a fictional thriller he has done. Yeah, we're not doing that living on a prayer or whatever that he did before he became famous. His, his uh, test religious films we weren't including in this. But we are adding old to the list. So that review comes out Friday for donors and patrons. It's your support that keeps us on the air and keeps us going. So thank you for your support. And you can find the details on how to hear all of the M. Night reviews, as well as reviews of other thrillers from David Fincher. We've reviewed Seven and Panic Room, The Game, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, Zodiac, and others. Those are all out in our gold level donation drive that is currently running and coming to its end because a week after old, we will be finishing that series with Gone Girl. So there's not much time left in this donation drive. If you want to hear these shows, head to nowplayingpodcast.com forward slash donate or click the support button at the top of nowplayingpodcast.com and you can help us out and hear dozens of bonus podcast reviews and this just in dee 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 breaking news schedule change we, we've had a few of those lately but we're not going back to the arcade next week as planned justin broke out of the arcade and refuses to go back <laughs> <laughs> i don't blame you i've never made it through assassin's creed i always turn that thing off <laughs> we were going to do assassin's creed next week but by popular demand you guys are going to see Green Knight. Super excited for this one. One of my most anticipated films of the year. It was one of my most anticipated for last year when it was supposed to come out. Oh, so this is a, a delayed release movie that was planned for earlier? Yep. Yeah, this kind of came out of nowhere for me. I hadn't heard of it and haven't had a chance to anticipate it yet, but I'm, I'm excited to see what it's all about. So that will be on our main feed next Tuesday before we have yet another new release with the Suicide Squad the week after that. So... A lot of theatrical release reviews here, 
again, thanks to our donors who support us and let us do that and have the editors and the team needed to make this all happen week after week. And now you know, and knowing is half the battle. Yo, Joe! Technically, G.I. Joe does not exist, but if it did, it'd be comprised of the top men and women from the best military units in the world, the Alpha Dogs. When all else fails, we don't. Thank you for listening to this episode of Now Playing, and we hope you've enjoyed the show. It's time to go bye-bye, or boom-boom! Come to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week as we review another G.I. Joe film. Now that's what I call a challenge! You can hear more movie reviews at our website, nowplayingpodcast.com. Well, whoever you are and whatever this unit is, I want in. In the archive section, you can find our reviews of the Transformer films, Star Trek movies, the Avenger films, Rambo, Rocky, and more. And all at the push of a button. Find hundreds of movie review podcasts at nowplayingpodcast.com. For this I command! While at NowPlayingPodcast.com, be sure to join our forums, where you can discuss this review with other listeners. Okay, now that we're all close friends, let's head for the slaughterhouse! You can also follow Now Playing at Facebook and Twitter, where the hosts post new episode announcements and written movie reviews. We all go home or nobody goes home! The links to our social media pages can be found at NowPlayingPodcast.com. You will all come with me now. Support from listeners like you help keep Now Playing operating. So what's your fee? Snakes don't give for free. You can find a link to donate using PayPal at the bottom of our website, nowplayingpodcast.com. The Emperor needs us, Commander. You can also show your love of Now Playing Podcast by shopping in our store, where you can buy panties, coffee mugs, t-shirts, totes, boxers, teddy bears, and much more. An itty-bitty ditty bag. You can also help out Now Playing by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. A link to Now Playing's iTunes listing can be found at nowplayingpodcast.com. Can you get the word out? No sweat. Then do it. Now Playing's G.I. Joe retrospective series is edited by Ray, Jeff, and Arnie. Their capabilities are beyond anything we've ever encountered. Credit narration by Brock. Bravo, bravo! You are as impressive as ever! Now Playing is not affiliated with Hasbro or Paramount Pictures. G.I. Joe is a property of Hasbro and Paramount Pictures, and no infringement is intended. We were set up right from the start. The opinions expressed in Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Venganza Media Incorporated. But I'm not telling you anything you don't already know, am I? Now Playing is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2021, all rights reserved, and no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated. I have something I need to do which goes against all orders. So if any of you decide that you have to leave now, I will certainly not hold it against you. Boom. Grab my ankle! This is the now playing co-host who Anaconda don't want none unless you've got an impure heart, hon. Arnie. Son of a bitch. I wrote down that exact same line. <laughs> Pure heart, everything. I gotta go with my second one, I guess now. Damn it. I can't believe I... <laughs>
as soon as I saw those anacondas, I'm like, oh, I know what my opening line is. <laughs> I had anyway. <laughs> I had Nicki Nicki Minaj in my head the rest of the movie. <laughs> oh, I I guess okay, you millennial. I, I'm I'm more of a Gen uh, X guy because I'm thinking of uh, I can't even remember. Mix, mix a lot. Mix a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I, I gotta know in that section in that six inch line they got a zartan that turns blue in the sun they do have a zartan he didn't turn blue in the sun but they will be one that very soon they just announced it's going to be a it's supposed to be comic-con exclusive it's going to be a Has, hasbro pulse con exclusive now later this year and it's color changing or it's just blue no it's color changing and i think i don't know if it's heat or water activate i think or it's water yeah activated. maybe it was water that yeah i can't remember yeah that was a long time ago i played with art dan yep <laughs> that's kind of like faker for he-man right that's not really a great disguise oh you're blue i think you're the president now <laughs> yeah real, real incognito <laughs> don't worry about this guy he's been dead for hours 